In 2004, I was 15. I was studying for my mock GCSEs, but actually playing championship manager and desperately chasing Max in Sigalco, listening to 50 Cent and desperately failing at most things in life. Ethan Nwaneri, on the other hand, has made his debut for Arsenal, is getting hype from everywhere, but unfortunately is also being moaned about by tragic men on national radio. Who the fuck is Jason Cundy anyway? Just 16 more games, Ethan, and you'll have overtaken him. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod, guys. As always, my name is Rory, and I am joined by my good friend this week, Adam. Hey, Rory. How are you doing, mate? I am very good. I'm very good. I've had a, a week of trying not to get too wound up by TalkShite. So on our account, <laughs> just to give you a, a warning, I have muted them and blocked them. <laughs> so Definitely. now we just will not see them because I finally had enough. I'm sick of falling into their trap. Although this episode, we are going to fall into their trap as a warning. We certainly, will. We certainly will. But <laughs> on that point that you just introed, I have to also pull out this tweet, which was about San Marino, which rocks up at the same year. So this was... Oof. San Marino still winless since beating Liechtenstein in April 2004. This is when Twitter did not exist. George W. Bush was still serving his first term as U.S. president and Nokia was still selling the 3310. Memories, mate. Memories. I feel like I'm back there already. I feel like I'm back there. I've, I've not achieved much else and San Marino haven't achieved much else. It kind of gives me a, a, sense, of, a sense of calm. It's quite Definitely nice. achievement as well, right? At the same um, time. Also, at that game last night, which was San Marino Seychelles, right? Nil-nil for anybody who didn't catch the classic. Um, one, to start with, what a random friendly. It feels like Seychelles have traveled a long way there for a friendly. Yes. I hope like FIFA paid for the travel or something, right? That is it That can't didn't. be a cheap flight. It probably didn't, to be fair. But <laughs> again, it must be like FIFA ranking points. That's what they were speculating mm. on, right? For both sides. Um but it's mesmeric, just the fact that it ended up nil-nil. Like, oh. just like I bet both sides were thinking this is an easy win for both yeah. sides, and Come it on, didn't guys. transpire. So finally unlucky. we can get that W. <laughs> finally we can get it. And for long-term listeners of the pod, um, one of our very first guests, Paul Watson, author of um Up Pompeii. Yes, I do remember the title <laughs> of the book. He was actually at the game, um, ended up sat next to and the ex-San Marino manager and coach, um, he said he he was live tweeting it, basically, and said he wanted to be there to to witness San Marino's first win in, like you said, such a long time. Mm. But it was not to be. I apologize, Paul. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry, San Marinians. Um, and any Seychelles fans who happened to make that ridiculous <laughs> trip, if there were any. Um, yeah, I'd hate to go that far for a nil-nil. But... yeah. International football does throw up these delights um, every so often, and we are going to cover it in this week's show. Um, But I need to ask you, Adam, how are you? I don't know if I asked you yet. No, but yeah, thank you, Rory. Um, Yeah, keeping very well. Uh, Long week. I think people do forget that when it's bank holiday, it doesn't necessarily mean it's an easy week. It just means (laughs) more work is condensed to lower time span. So um, yeah, unfortunately, I've had to do a course today. I've got it again tomorrow, which is terrible i did talk to you <laughs> offline about it. i'm not going to bore yeah. the listener but all i have to say micro strategy definitely not porn that's that's the difference yeah. it's just you can't get excited about it that's that's all and, I and if say. you do you need to seek help you, you do you do <laughs> but we, let's let's talk about football rory i want to get off the topic of just work and just yeah. talk about the endless football right i think i think we can do it it's time to get up in the blimp and go for 
the Euro review. And here we are. It is time for the Euro review. And despite league football kind of taking a hiatus, it feels it does feel strange that it's gone already. There is still football to talk about. There is the Nations League coming up. This pod does get excited about um, international football, so <clears> we <throat> will definitely get there. We are definitely yeah. going to be talking all things England, Ireland, Poland, um, Italy, Italy, Ireland, <laughs> Scotland, Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan any yeah. others. I don't know. We'll see where we end up, but we will be talking about lots of international football. But first, we are going to talk about the managerial merry-go-round, maybe? Yeah, Potential, someone's building... Someone's building a merry-go-round in Italy, yeah. and there may be some managers thrown on it soon. Um, yes. But one who has managed to jump off it and into a job is the new Monza manager, Raffaele yes. Palladino, who kicked off his career wow. in fantastic style by beating Juventus 1-0, securing their first win of the season. Absolutely brilliant. And, oh my God, how delicious was it, Adam? It was brilliant. I, I couldn't believe the scoreline when I, it actually came up on my screen. I was like, what is going on? Like, I have to take note of this. I have to start watching this now. Like, I just mm-hmm. thought, naturally, I just thought, this is an easy game for Juventus regardless. Because I heard about the fact that, obviously, Raffaele just came into the role. I just thought, it's Allegri. He'll get a boring 1-0. Here we go again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just incredible. When you saw the highlights, like I did, just incredible performance by Monza. And the fact was, they really did deserve the win, ultimately. Juventus were really poor. Di Maria getting sent off in the first half. I mean, that really does start a few questions about him and his contribution. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of speculation in the week saying that he's got half his head in Argentina, half his head in Turin. So that kind of paints the story about the morale of that squad. Um, interestingly, though, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Galliani was taking credit for the win at Monza for, against the Juventus. He claimed that he wrote something in the dressing room, uh, which was around the lines of, it, it took 110 years for Monza to get promoted to Serie A. We're not going to use one year to get ourselves back down the leagues. And he apparently okay. it's that inspirational quote wow. that got Monza the win. But um, wow. yeah, nothing the real hero of the piece, <laughs> yeah. the real hero of the piece. It's not like Galliani to make it all about himself. It's exactly. not like him all. Right. Um, but for, for Monza, you're right. It was an incredible performance. Um, Gikiaia getting the goal. Yeah. Um, He's actually been a pretty good player for Monza. He's got 22 goals now for them in about 60 games, I think. Ex-Lek Poznan man was there for a very, very long time. Um, again, did quite a good job there. And it was good for him to... It was beautiful, like, the way he celebrated the goal, how much he meant to yeah. the Monza fans. And I think to get that, like... If, if you've not lived in Italy or you've not followed Italian football, to understand how big a scalp Juventus is in this country, you can't like underestimate how much it means for teams to beat them because they dominate and have dominated for so long. When a team gets promoted and then beats Juventus, it is just monumental. I remember Empoli did it last year. Um, Salernitana came incredibly close this mm. year, right? Um, it do, it does just mean more, and you can see that the Monza fans were delighted. I'm sure Bellasconi enjoyed it extra, extra, um, yeah. getting one over that lot and Agnelli. But with Palladino coming into a job, 
it does feel like Allegri could increasingly <laughs> could be coming out of a job. Now, obviously, the rumours are that they can't afford it. Um, yeah. You mentioned Di Maria, how his head isn't quite there, when he, but we've seen him previously like publicly basically questioning what he's doing. Like, so he's at this point, it's almost confirmed that he's lost authority in the changing room and they don't, they're not listening to him. They don't understand or they don't support what he's doing. Yeah. The only thing that seems to be keeping him in a job is the financially Juventus cannot afford to sack him. Yeah, I think ultimately they'll get to the point where they have to. What they're going to do is they're going to wait until after the international break for some That's, reason. Yeah. They're going to give him two or three more games. It won't improve. And then they would have missed this opportunity to bring in a new coach. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Um, now, the names that are being linked to it. Now, you brought up the first name who you saw being linked. Uh, Paolo Montero, who's Oof. obviously the ex-Juventus centre-back Um by all means, the only reason why he's being linked is because he's a favourite of Agnelli. So previously, mm -hmm. when Agnelli was watching Juventus in his youth, apparently, yes, Paolo Montero was his favourite player. And that's the reason he was why an, he's being linked. He, he was, was a beast. absolute animal, Montero. That, but... He was one of the dirtiest players I've ever seen. He was like the original Pepe. Um, yeah, yeah, shit, Pepe grew up with posters of Montero on his wall. Potentially, <laughs> like he loved an elbow in the in the temple and like a real, oh, real, yeah. real dirty Rough. player. I know. Just whenever I talk to like Tommy or the likes about Montero, they just get angry. Like the amount of fouls, <laughs> just a dirty, aggressive, angry player. Also, a very good defender. You can't take that away from him. He was a very good. No, player. Yeah, of but yeah, if his team play how he was, mm. Juventus could be. Well, I don't know, a very agricultural, let's say. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I also feel like he may, he may be getting linked just because it's the cheap option. As you said, he's already at Juventus, right? Yeah. Yeah. All they have to do is promote him. We all know that exactly. companies, when you promote from within, you don't pay as much, right? So yeah, of course. I think it could be the cheaper option for them. But the other name that is obviously being linked to it, and I'm sorry, Spurs fans, no, but no matter how much Conte celebrates on the line and gives it the big one, he will leave you in a second. Oh, <laughs> yes, he will. He, he's already doing laps. He's just getting warmed yeah. up right now. He's ready to just jump and go to Turin. And um, yeah. he'd be absolutely incredible for them because mm -hmm. I think he would... I, th I don't know if you saw it, but there's a lot of rumours around the intensity of training right now as yeah. well. Yeah, the, yeah. the fact that I think De Litt, when he moved to Bayern, said his first session was the hardest he's ever had mm -hmm. in about two years. Yeah, and yeah. Julian Nagelsmann said, that's only pre-season. That isn't proper yeah. training for us. It's like, wow, <laughs> yeah. this is this is really yeah, yeah. brutal. And I think there's been a few players that have since joined Juventus and kind of questions mm. maybe a maybe Allegri's kind of style and the fact of he's just a dinosaur. He's very old school yeah. in his manners and maybe he just hasn't bought that kind of intensity that Juventus need. The other point that was made brilliantly this week was about the fact that Allegri has changed his tactics on numerous occasions this season to the fact of that the players don't actually know what's the best system. They yeah. don't. They constantly are trying to change and adapt to what Allegri is telling them. And by all accounts, all he does, and I don't know if you saw the comments after the Monza game, but he basically says he blamed the players and said, I can't do anything if the players are doing it on the pitch which basically means he's doing fuck all when it comes to training and he's expecting mm. the players to just turn up and do just the figure goods, it out. which is just, yeah. just not the way, unfortunately. It's like we've been kind of maybe to an extent critical about Arteta and being too like dynamic in terms mm -hmm. of his training sessions. 
but actually yeah you've got the exact opposite with allegri so like you i can't believe they are going to wait this long because if they're going to give it two or three weeks they could be out of the champions league mm. that is quite a big deal and then you've got the league i did predict at the beginning of the season if they're not in the top four by christmas then they should make the mark and just make a move mm. with him but realistically i'm going to put this to you rory who do you think they should go for because i know we we're kind of expecting conte but I can't see Juventus really. We're saying that they can't afford Allegri's kind of wages. Can they realistically go and pay like Conte the out only, of his contract? The only blessing is that Conte signed a short-term contract at Spurs. There is now. That. I yeah. think he only signed an eighteen-month contract, and I'm pretty sure he hasn't signed a renewal. I'm almost Not certain moment, he hasn't signed no. a new contract. So I think he actually doesn't have that long that long left on his contract. And when he joined Tottenham, I remember saying, it's weird that he's only signing an 18th yeah. month contract. It feels like he's definitely not in this for the long haul. He's got a cycle, um, right? Yeah, it's like, I think the bags haven't necessarily been unpacked in North London. Like I think he's, st he's, he's, he's still, still using that rented pad at Stamford yeah. Bridge or something <laughs> like that, right? He's still got the removals company on speed <laughs> dial. Like I think I would be surprised if Juventus didn't at least try and approach him. Like I think he is going to be their number one, and he would be the guy who would get them back into where they want to be. Right? He would yeah. get them back up there. Yeah. He would probably not with that squad or not the first season, but within two seasons, yeah. three seasons, Juventus would be back under him. Um, if they're not able to get him or if he like decides to stay at Spurs, I think the, the managers around the league, I think they kind of missed out on Tudor, who is ex-Juve player, yeah. right? He's now gone to Marseille doing an incredible job, did an amazing job at Hellas. They missed out on him. Um, they missed out on Italiano. I know he's not doing that great, and Fiorentina are struggling at the beginning of this year, but they he's a very exciting yeah, coach and they're exactly. a good team. Deserby will get on to like they've they've yeah. lost out on him. So I feel like there aren't many options around within Serie A and within the Italian league where I'd go, Oh, that's an obvious choice. Yeah, yeah. Even managers like Gasparini aren't gonna work no, at Juve. No, I, can't um, I think like you can't go back to Sadi. You're not going to get Mourinho. I'm just going to mention like... three and I'll get your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So obviously Tuchel is available, but the other two that True. comes to mind is Zidane. Mm -hmm. I appreciate he's probably waiting for either the PSG job or France. Mm -hmm. And then Pochettino. Pochettino wants a project. I, I feel this has got the hallmarks of something that, whereby he might be able to go in, steady the ship, yeah. get them at least playing attractive football, and it might take time. But we've talked about Monza, Ravello, who obviously is a Juve player, mm -hmm. played against them, had a fantastic match. Yeah. We've got Moretti, who seems to be a phenomenally kind of like clone of Pirlo almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got an exciting squad that's kind mm -hmm. of brewing underneath the crap that is by the side. So if you strip all the players that unfortunately Allegri has decided to <laughs> spend a fortune on, if you yeah. take that out, I think there is a core of a good squad. Yeah. It just needs nurturing. And I think someone like Pochettino, where his reputation is damaged, they could easily give him like an 18-month contract. I think he'd probably do a good job. But yeah. again, I, think, I, d I don't know. I think that's a very good shout. I think it's an incredible shout. Like what Pochettino did do really well at Spurs was nurture all those young players and turn them into a very, very good team. Mm. Right. So I think that's yeah. a very good shout. I think would they be sensible enough to go for Pochettino? I don't know. Um <laughs> Zidane, right. Zidane, maybe you could reel on the, you know, you used to play for us exactly. kind of thing. But there is a reason why Zidane has not taken a job post-Real Madrid. I don't know what it is. 
but there is a reason why he's not accepted any other jobs. So I don't expect him to really be the manager manager no. job anytime soon. Um, I think Pochettino would be would be a very good shout. Tuchel also, although yeah, yeah. So there's a few options. There's a few options. Yeah, but Just it outside will of be Serie A, right? It That's will be thing. Conte. <laughs> yeah, Juve really like Italian managers. They really like Italian they managers. Do, they they don't often go off the top of my head. They don't often go for. Foreign. Can't remember the last foreign manager they had. So Saudi Italian, Pirlo Italian, Allegri so Italian, Capello, Conte Italian, um, Trapattoni, Ancelotti, Capello. These have all managed Juve, right? I don't yeah. know how many foreign managers. I'm going to have to have a quick Google, but I can't remember the yeah. last foreign manager. So I think they're going to stick to Italian yeah, exactly. and um, try and go for Conte. But we shall see. We shall. One of the managers. One of the managers... Are we ready to move on? I think we're ready to yeah, move on. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, one of the managers they did miss out on is Graham Sunez's <laughs> number one love, Deserby. And I am delighted that he's going to be in the Premier League. I it's honestly beautiful. could not be happier for the guy. Um, his Sassuolo team, I'm going to go into them. I'm going to get your thoughts first, and then we'll kind of go into his Sassuolo yeah, team a sure. bit. But... I'm just super excited to see him in the league. I think he could not be a more perfect fit for Brighton. Yeah. It's just got the hallmarks of like, this is going to be entertaining. How did yes. you feel when you saw the deserved be news come through? I, I was like, we did speculate on the candidates mm. the previous episode and uh, I'm delighted for him just because he's back in a role. And I, yeah. I think he's been very underrated to this stage. Um, but now I really am excited about what he could do for that Brighton squad. And I think he even has reminisced about the fact that he's looking forward to the challenge. I think he's probably an advanced kind of move on Potter, mm -hmm. like in the sense that I think he'll bring more dynamism to that squad as well, because I think he's more adaptable. He will do exactly what Potter does in the sense of when it comes to different games, he'll change the formation as well. So he's not always reliant on one style fits all. For example, he will change dependent on who he plays. I, I'm just really excited. I think Italian football is really excited about him as well because mm. I think everyone has been craving for him to go back to Italy um, yeah. since that Shatska Donetsk period. And I think... Graham Sooners doesn't know what he's talking about when he's just comparing him to that one previous kind of rate. And he did mention it. He kind of went, oh, nine seasons and he's achieved X amount. And it's just like, yeah, let's remind ourselves. You've got a legacy as a football thug and you're yeah. only at good clubs. But let's remind ourselves of that fraud that you let in at Southampton. Oh, yeah, George Weir's cousin. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes you a brilliant coach, right? And manager. Yeah, well, yeah. Just baffling, mate. But yeah, yeah, you was, must be excited as well. There was also people who brought up the fact that Graham Souness managed like nine teams within 10 years as well or something. Yeah, so yeah. when he was like, because Deserby's done seven teams in nine years, right? And he was like, why aren't people keeping hold of him? Well, yeah. If I suppose if Deserbi loved Shakhtar enough, he would have just <laughs> stopped Russia invading if he really wanted to stay. Like Graham, just Google something for like just take two seconds. Google is your friend, and just yeah. take a couple of minutes read and go. Oh, that's why that. Ah, okay, right. It's really not sense, difficult. Yeah. If I can do it, you can do it, Graham. Trust me. But I'm <laughs> super excited about Deserbi to talk about his tactics quickly. You're right. He switches from like a four-two-three-one to a three-four-three, depending yeah. on who the opposition are. And what I really like about him is like his team plays super wide. So like he got the best yeah. out of Jeremy Bogart. We've not seen 
him be anywhere near the player since since Deserby mm. left him. He plays super out wide, but he doesn't cross all the time. He doesn't cross at all. What no. they do is a super intricate, short passing, quick, mm. dynamic football. I think the his second season in Serie A, um, Sassuolo were the the team with the most short passes on average per game in the league. Incredible. Um, and if you look at the players that he brought through, all these players that have come through Sassuolo, yeah. you're looking at Locatelli, Berardi, yeah. Borga, Caputo, Fratesi. Um, Fratesi. You've got Obiang. You've got Kyriakopoulos, who's still Skamaka. playing there. Raspadori, Skamaka, Tolian. Like, all these players that are now Serie A regulars, and have, a lot of them have moved on to, like, bigger and better things, bigger clubs. Mm. They've all been coached by him and they all swear about how good he is. A special like Locatelli has not been the same since he left Sassuolo <laughs> either. Yeah. Like obviously he's joined a Juventus that we've talked about enough, but he's not been the same since. Borga's yeah. not been the same since. Caputo hasn't been the same since. And I think like the players, the way he develops them, gets them into a system and the system that he plays, yeah, he's got Brighton written all over him. Yeah. Like these, the, they are going to bring through these young players. That's what they do. And yeah. his history again at Sassuolo is buying low, selling high. Yeah. <laughs> like I think most of the players he sells for at least double the amount he signed them for. Like I think Politano, exactly. Sensi, all these players he made yeah. big money on. Um, and that's Brighton's like, that's Brighton's like that's their philosophy. Yeah. Like, that exactly. is what they do. Tony so Bloom think, is just rubbing his hands like yeah. this, basically. And it's, this is like for a team that already know how to play fast, intricate football, entertaining football. He's just going to come in, put his own spin on it. I think uh, Caicedo is going to absolutely thrive oh, yeah. under him because he's a midfielder that can drop deep and he needs his midfielders in both boxes. He needs his midfielders He's in also got boxes. Billy Gilmore as well. Someone that's exactly. gone down on his luck yeah. and I think he'll get the best out of him. Mm -hmm. We know he can get the best out of these defenders as well. So I, I'm just excited. I, I'm yeah. literally really excited about the prospects and the fact that he's got Players like Jakob Moda, who will come back from injury and probably benefit from being with Deserbi yeah. as well. Just brilliant. Just brilliant times. I think the, the only thing, and this is where I'm like, but it's always the problem with Brighton, is the striker, right? <laughs> it's yeah. always like you've not got that it's striker. So that one with problem. Sassuolo, they had Berardi, uh, Berardi and they had Caputo. Now, Caputo got 21 goals in one season for him, right? Yeah. Berardi is his highest goal scorer under Deserbi, like 44 goals in 99 games or something, 60 goals yeah. in 99 games. And so they've he's had a prolific striker. At Brighton, they don't have that. They've got no. Danny Welbeck, and we know we all love Danny Welbeck, <laughs> we right? But he's not prolific. And I do wonder, it, either he's going to get the best out of Danny Welbeck and we're going to see the best that we've ever seen in his <laughs> career, or he's going to have to go out and get a proper striker. Now, I, yeah. does this mean that in January, finally, Berardi gets his big move and comes to Brighton? I think we would all love it. We would all I, love I, it. I think right? he's a homeboy. I think he's a yeah, homeboy. He's going to stay in Italy. He doesn't like it. Yeah, um, yeah. But on that side note, I think he might tap into Donetsk and get someone mm -hmm. there potentially yeah. and there's like to be fair when you talked about the short passing intricacies you just need someone on the end of it so you need mm -hmm. someone that's a bit wily yeah. around the box and just hanging around there there's plenty of like players that he could mm -hmm. tap into potentially Trossard making in, those so. runs like yeah Trossard and gross making those runs and i think even with like his wing backs as well. He's got great wing backs at that club, even like yeah. Tarek Lamptey and the players like the, the Estupinian, right? Yeah. Like his wing backs don't get super far forward, but they are really key to the game. They just sit in exactly. that gap between midfield and defense and just kind of help 
help the team press forward along. but yeah. still keep fairly sensible. The yeah, only exactly. the problem is Sassuolo always conceded goals. <laughs> so there will yeah. be goals. Their defense was never good. Now you can say that's because they had Consiglian goal and they've just never they've refused to improve on him. But Brighton will now concede a lot of goals. But the good yeah. thing is they will score a lot of goals. Like it it's, will yeah. be they're going to be even more the team to watch. I think this is such a big it's such a great like coup for the Premier League in terms of like, oh, a yeah. young, exciting manager. And I think yeah. people are going to be really, really surprised by him. Like people like Graham Sunez who haven't Googled it. Um, exactly. I think they will be really surprised. And like quickly on the Shakhtar thing, even at Shakhtar, he actually did a very good job. Now you can yeah, yeah. argue about the competitiveness of the Ukrainian league, but it's a better standard than you think it is. Oh yeah. He, he managed 30 games. He won 20, drew five, lost five, and managed to win the Ukrainian Super Cup beating Dynamo Kiev, their biggest rivals, 3-0 in the final, right? So yeah. I think even within that 30 games and all the turmoil that was kicking off around at that time, yeah. he did a fantastic job. I think the club definitely would have liked him to stay. He yeah, definitely would have liked to stay. Yeah. But it, of course, just wasn't possible. Just and I think it's something that weirdly is going to have like a black mark on his career. Like people might just forget why exactly it did fall apart. Yeah, um, exactly. But I think, and it was a really brave move for him to make at oh, the yeah. time. I remember Massive. when he went, I was like, wow, that is a fair play. That's a random one, like, yeah. yeah. Like, especially with turmoil, like you said, they were playing mm. in Kharkiv for most yeah. of that season as well. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. people will, won't see on the record books necessarily. Yeah. Donetsk weren't able to play at home with mm. their fans. And also a lot of their players were kind of saying, well, I, I want to go home. I'm, basically, I'm I don't want to be in this yeah, shit yeah, yeah. anymore, basically. So. But if, but it's also a club that shares the same philosophy as Sassuolo and Brighton. They bring mm. in young players, they develop them and sell high. So it shows that he's someone who knows what he wants to do. He knows what yeah. he's good at. And like, he loves what he does. Like, if you know what I mean? He has gone purposely for that club because they follow the same philosophy. It he seems could have like, yeah. Juve at that time. Yeah, yeah you he hit the nail on the head. Club. It's about the philosophies. Yeah. If you haven't got the yeah. philosophies, he's not going to be like enticed to go to those clubs. Mm -hmm. And that's possibly why, even if De Zerbi was around and Allegri has been moved on, I don't think he'd go to Juventus because yeah. the philosophy isn't there. And he'd know yeah, yeah. himself that it would take time to actually repair that. Mm -hmm. So, And that's time you will not get with Juve fans, <laughs> Juventus in general, and the yeah. board. So that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's probably a blessing in disguise. Um, so, in short, Brighton fans yeah. can be very excited. And if we've jinxed him, we massively apologise. But no, I, I, think, think so. I think you've done very, very well. So, we can't wait to see you, Roberto. I'm super excited. And he's got a few weeks to get the squad ready. He's got a couple of weeks. Exactly. We shall see how it goes. Not bad. Good. Yes. Um, so, TalkSport have had a hell of a week, Adam. They've had a hell of a week. They, they got have, it wrong about Deserbi. They've got it terribly wrong about Deserbi, and then I'm going to get your thoughts on it before I explode on this. <laughs> what happened with Ethan Wanneri? Just what what did you see happen there? I saw an unnecessary point about a player who's 15 years old, got prospects, he's got potential, and he didn't even play the whole game. And they made a whole song and dance about this player like disres being disrespectful somehow by the fact that he's being promoted to play for the Arsenal Forest team. It's just like completely bonkers because I said it at the time when it was brought up in a tweet. I was like, 
No one kind of made a fuss when the likes of Jack Wilshire was on the scene. No one made a fuss about Wayne Rooney when he came onto the scene. We've had even other players since then, for example, come onto the scene as 16 yeah. and 17 years old. Um, we've seen the likes of Jude Bellingham, for example, and I appreciate he started his career with Birmingham City, who found themselves in circumstances which meant they had to be forced to play the likes of Jude Bellingham. But mm -hmm. to the point still, promoting someone that young into a squad is not that easy. I mean, I just to resonate with Wick and Wonders for a minute, we had yeah. Jordan Ibe. He was mm -hmm. 14 years old when he Jesus. broke into the squad. And Jesus. for that level, obviously, yeah, yeah. being it was League One, um, people kind of said, oh, he must be really good. He must be really good to be playing at your level. And he was because Liverpool mm -hmm. then snapped him up within a few games. Um, but that goes to prove the point that if you're good enough, you'll be in the first team. Yeah. And that's no disrespect to the players that are there. That's no disrespect to those that are trying to progress. It's just to show them that if you work hard, then you can achieve that goal. Yeah. And There's a pathway. There's a pathway yeah, there's a pathway. There. And yeah. I did see, I suppose, leading up to this event, there's a great documentary about Crystal Palace and their youth team. And you see I need to watch youngsters. it. I need to watch I it. Definitely yeah. recommend it. It does wind me up about the parents, but I'll park that to the side just for this point. They do promote a player. He's about 17, 18 years old. He then plays in a FA Cup match, I think, or Carling okay. Cup equivalent. Uh, plays against Stoke City, essentially, and has a good game. Patrick Vieira then takes him off with seven, uh, 30 minutes ago or something like that. But he has a fantastic game. But he then goes and plays uh, under 17s match, I think it is, thereafter. But he doesn't kind of crack. He just, he's mm -hmm. like, absolutely buzzing by that experience yeah. he loves it and even the players around him was like what was it like like you know they were just yeah, really yeah, gunning yeah. for him and yeah. I, I suspect that's the same with this guy i'm sure he's gone back his arsenal teammates that are playing in that same age group are like what was it like what is it like you yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i'm just happy for the kids you know i think that's beautiful to see and then you had to have fucking talk sport ruin like what is just supposed to be a really proud moment for him and his family yeah. by saying he shouldn't be playing and it's disrespectful. I mean, let's get you to boil now. I've it's got the now, kale ready. So yeah, no, it. it's it's now like just change the narrative completely. You're right. The, the, the story now isn't him. Like if the noise around it isn't like, oh, congratulations. This is an amazing yeah. thing. It is. It's your fault. You're disrespectful. You should never have been there. You don't deserve it. Mm. Like the, the, this country is fantastic at breaking young talent. It's just incredible <laughs> at how how efficient we are at it. I think. Look, I I think there's many reasons why Talksport do what they do. Obviously, one of them is to get people to call in and get angry, like we're going to get angry now. But I do think there are certain clubs that they hit and they know it's going to get you know, it's going to get clicks. Arsenal's definitely one of them. Man United's yeah. another one, and they just produce stories, stories, stories about Arsenal Some United, stories. Arsenal United, Arsenal United, because they know that gets the biggest numbers. I think part of it is, and I know we've not achieved anything yet. They're worried that the banter era is over at Arsenal. I think yeah. they're worried that actually the funny stories and the laughing at us might actually not be lasting that much longer. Yeah, much would right. Yeah. I think that's part of it. And I think also it was like a quiet week and they had to say something. I think for, <laughs> yes. for, for Nwaneri, it's an incredible achievement. There was an amazing video that Stephen Cole, legend yeah. follower, uh, shared with us on Twitter about the nine-year-old kids at the Arsenal Academy watching him come on and they were all going mad. And they were like, oh, because they like yeah. personally know him. And you're like, that's what it's about. And, like, and then you, 
Arsenal have produced this documentary called Inside, I think it's Inside Hail End, and it's like a series. Mm. And then you see that Granite Xhaka has been getting his coaching badges, coaching those kids. And he's seen this Nuaneri as everyone's like, yeah. it's a name I'd heard before he came. Like, I knew a little bit about him. People have been talking about him. But Granite Xhaka saw him and was like, no, this guy's good. Mm. Like, and, it, and you see that there's a process there and that there's like the whole thing at Arsenal quite clearly now is to produce our own players, right? Yes. We are very much investing into Hale End. It's one of the best academies in the country. It's only going to get better. And I think it's very clear what the club is trying to do. And I think this is mm. just something that we were 3-0 up. He's a player that's got a lot of, uh, a lot exactly. of promise. Yes, his contract, he does need to sign a professional contract. Chelsea, City, Liverpool, United, apparently Real Madrid, they're all looking at him. Right, mm. Art Teta has tried to be like, look, we, you will get games. You yeah. will, like, we will give you the chance. We'll give you the chance now. And I think it's part of this process that Art tells us to trust. And yeah. I'm completely trusting it. I could not, but honestly, I was watching the game and I was like, bring him on, bring him on. Like, I just <laughs> want to see him come on. I just want to see it happen. And it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. And like, I don't get where the outrage came from, apart from Talksport being Talksport. Because, like you said, in the past, we've had Harvey Elliott come on for Fulham at yeah, 16. That was exactly. applauded. Wayne Rooney comes on and scores against Arsenal. That was applauded. Um, and then you think, okay, well, maybe is it that they think the player's not good enough? And then you see some of the players, and I'm not saying these players weren't good enough, but they didn't go on to have Premier League careers, right? Mm. So there was players like um, Jose Baxter is one of the players who's in yeah. the top uh, five youngest players ever. Um, he came on at 16 for Everton against Blackburn in 2008. He only ever made three Premier League appearances. There was Izzy Brown, who came on for West Brom versus Wigan. Yeah. He was 16. Matthew Briggs, he came on for Fulham. Yeah. He was 16. Like, And then you think, okay, well, then the issue can't be that it's you're afraid there's a lack of ability because those players didn't go on to yeah. have sparkling Premier League careers. So what is the issue? I honestly cannot fathom it. I cannot fathom it. And I think for players the types of players that are on that bloody station. I honestly, I've, I've said it on Twitter today. I didn't even know Jason Cundy was a footballer. I honestly, had, <laughs> and I know some kind obscure footballers. I spent a lot of time on championship manager and reading fucking Wikipedia pages. I had yeah. no recollection of this guy's player. I assumed he was ex rugby because they have cricket players <laughs> on there sometimes. Didn't they? Have yeah. They've got a mixture. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, oh, he's just a rugby guy who likes football, but he doesn't actually know anything about football. No, he's an ex-footballer who knows nothing about football. Yeah. Um, Danny Mills is still pissed off that Thierry Henry mugged him off every time he played him. <laughs> he fucking despises Arsenal. Whenever they have him talk about Arsenal, I just instantly just scroll past him. Like, that guy yeah, of course. is, he despises Arsenal. It is yeah. ridiculous. I just the people they have on there, it, just a bit of nuance, guys, just a bit of nuance, anything, a bit of research, a bit of like, even the line about, you know, does Deserbi know the Premier League? Well, no English managers ever won the fucking Premier League. So foreign managers, foreign managers obviously know it better than our own. Yeah. Like, I think Four Italians just, have won the Premier League, by yeah. the way, Graham Suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, four, four. Like, and it's just... I just found it really unnecessary and it was really a horrible thing to do to a 15-year-old who made his debut yeah. for his boyhood club. And then when he goes into school on Tuesday, because Monday he was off, right? Yeah, when exactly. he goes into school on Tuesday, 
suddenly the conversation might not be congratulations, that's incredible. The conversation yeah. is, oh, did you hear what this Muppet said about you on national yeah. radio? Exactly. Like it just seemed like a massive pile on for no reason. But I'm gonna yeah. end it there because it just really, really, really made me angry. And I hope to see Nuaneri start every fucking game <laughs> because I just want to see just how angry we can make talks. <laughs> <laughs> This is yeah, true. Go on. Yeah. Done. Go on. Let's move yeah. on. Good. So it is time to go to the Nations League and international football. I think we're going to take a quick break and Let's then we'll it. do that, right? Good stuff. Let's do it. Let's do it. And here we go. It's everybody's favorite competition. It's the <laughs> Nations League. Just when you think we've had too much football, UEFA cram and kick some more football down our throats <laughs> and force these players to travel halfway around the world with a World Cup coming up in two months. Very, very sensible planning. But here we are. I still love international football. I'm still going to get excited about it. I'm still <laughs> going to try and watch some of it. Let's start with... Should we start with Anglo or Italian? Which side are we going to start with? Let's do a bit of both, right? Let's do a bit well, of both. We're in the same group. We're in the same group, both, right? Yeah, we can do both. Um, tomorrow night, or tonight, as you are listening, listeners, um, England kick off against Italy in the San Siro. I can't believe I'm not going. I can't believe I'm not going. Oh um, Milan is going to be full of drunken Englishmen, imagine, <laughs> yes. I, I imagine, tomorrow on my way back from work. Um, but they do take each other on the last time. It was that terrible, terrible nil-nil. Uh, two kind of oh, yeah. rotated teams. A game that honestly had completely slipped from my memory. Um, but... I'm going to let you kind of, should we go for the England squad first and talk about we can what do, happened yeah, there? I suppose so. Yeah, I think the main highlight here is Ivan Tony. So the fact that he's yes. been called up and I think it'll be fascinating to see how he, I feel he get a chance. It, it just feels like he will get a chance. And something that was shared on uh, Dara McAntony's um, podcast. So mm -hmm. he's the Peterborough chairman for those that don't know. Um, he says he will do exactly to the letter what his coach will ask him. And this is probably the reason why Southgate has decided to pick him because he can do his, his defensive mm -hmm. duties. He can also attack the box. And as we know from this season, he can score from pretty much any angle he wants to. Yeah. And he's pretty cool on the penalty spot as well. So he'd be brilliant to bring off the bench when it comes to those situations in the World Cup as well, because he's as cool as a cucumber. I can't remember seeing him ever miss a penalty. Mm. That says a lot. So for someone that has had to work himself up the leagues and is getting his rewards now, yeah, let's hope he gets a chance at the San Siro, of all places, I mean. Of all places, man. Can you imagine? And, international yeah, debut at San Siro. It, it'll be an incredible night for him. But yeah. then, Rory, what do we expect this squad to look like? Because I, I don't know about you, it's, it feels like it's going to be a safe squad. It doesn't feel like he's going to experiment much. I think with us being, I know like we can discuss how much it actually means, but I think if England were to get relegated from <laughs> League A into League B, it would actually be a big deal, even though people kind of dismiss yeah. the Nations League. I think TalkSport would definitely be talking about it <laughs> if England got relegated. I think it would actually be a big thing. So I think for these games, Gareth Southgate does just kind of need to get the Ws because, as I said, mm. we are bottom on two points, Italy ahead of us on three. So if we lose against Italy... I think That's we're it. relegated. <laughs> so, 
yeah. it is like weirdly a kind of big game, I suppose. Obviously, England drawing two and losing two so far. Germany and Hungary top of the group, which is just insanity. Um, yeah. But with the England squad, I think, yeah, Gareth Southgate's got to be safe, which begs the question. And maybe, maybe this is why he didn't make any changes, but calling up Luke Shaw, calling up Harry Maguire, calling up Mason Mount, calling up Calvin Phillips, um, Jared Bowen. He's now out of the squad, isn't he? So he called oh, up of course Jordan he's Henderson. Yeah. So he's called up jo- Jordan okay. Henderson. So yeah. he's got another safe pair of hands, so to speak. But, but I think all those yeah. players I've listed, including Jared Bowen, are not players that have been in form. They're not no. players that have necessarily played. No. They've not. It's just very much, this is what I know, this is what I'll stick to. And that's that's what we expect from Gareth Southgate at this point now. But I think I would, I I know it, as an Arsenal fan, it's going to be obvious for me to say this, but how Ben White isn't in this squad fucking blows <laughs> my mind. Like he's one, I know we've got a wealth of, of right backs, but he's a very mm. fucking good centre back as well. He's one of the most underrated defenders in the Premier League because he had one bad game against Brentford, and that's all people remember him for. He's an incredibly good defender. He should be in this squad. He should be ahead of Harry Maguire without a doubt. Yeah, like that guy's season has been as bad as a season could be. Like it's it. There's parts of this squad that just confuse me. But now, like like I said, we know that Gareth Southgate doesn't he doesn't go by form. He goes no. by players that he knows are going to stick to a system. So no. we'll see. Maybe he'll get it right. But what what did you think when you saw some of those players included? I, I saw, kind of switched off. I, 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 to be honest, I've kind of accepted that Southgate is going to play it safe. He's going to mm-hmm. go by tried and tested. He probably made his kind of claim by saying, look, I've tried to experiment with this squad. And his kind of claim to doing that is just by calling up these players and not playing them. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I mean, we saw it with Tammy Abraham during the summer. Yeah. Um, for, for the life of me, we've got a lad called Tamori who plays for AC Milan. He's a good defender. Mm-hmm. Again, he's not anywhere near that squad at the moment. Um, I, I'm just baffled. I am really baffled because the problem is, it seems to be when he turns up for these competitions, they'll play it really safe. Not the most attractive of football, but... It will do the job. And I think ultimately it's all about results-based business, isn't it, when mm-hmm. it comes to these kind of tournaments. So Southgate, I think this is going to be his last tournament, dare I say. Mm-hmm. I think he's got to a point where he's done as much as he can with this squad as well. Um, they need something fresh. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this could end up as a draw. And yeah, that's I think based got, on the fact that Italy all over are it, very yeah. much in the same position. I mean, mm-hmm. Rory, we'll speculate about it in a minute. But when I saw Gabbiadini being called up, and <laughs> yeah. this is probably one of the worst Italian strikers they could have called up because he's been pretty much injury prone for Sampdoria. He yeah. hasn't, I think he's only scored two goals this season, mm-hmm. to the top of my knowledge. And he got called up ahead of certain other players. And it was baffling, absolutely baffling. But Again, unfortunately, uh, Italy will be without Verratti as well for this match. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah they've it, had to, it looks like, like they've called up Fratesi, yeah. right? They've brought Fratesi's him in to replace him, I think. Place, yeah, which yeah. is a nice addition, I yeah. have to say. I Another Sassuolo player right there. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, the, the Italy squad's kind of interesting. He's given a few chances to a few different players. So he's called up Providel and Vicario. So Providel mm. from Lazio, Vicario from Empoli as a kind of goalkeeper 
kind of just see what they're about. Two very yeah. good keepers, I think. Vicario's unlucky that he's at Empoli, um, but he's actually a very good keeper. The players that kind of caught my eye, I was like, almost had to check who they were. Um, Zerbin, um, who's made mm. a few appearances this season. He's only 23 years old. Um, there's Cancellieri, who's on loan from Lazio at Hellas. You might remember mm. he scored an absolute banger against Empoli last season. Um, he's got seven caps and two goals for the under-21s team. There's Gatti, the defender for Juve, who's played yes. twice this year. He's 24 years old. Matsoki, the right-back from Salernitana, have a player <laughs> in the, in the Azzurri. It's incredible. He's having a good season at right-back, though. Providel and Vicario, like I said. And the, the player who arguably was the only bright spark of Italy's last um, international window, um, which was Nyonto, who's now mm. at Leeds. He is incredibly exciting, that guy. He scored two goals in two games, I want to say, in the last break, um, or maybe a few breaks ago. But very, very exciting winger slash striker. Killed mm. it out in Switzerland. Now at Leeds, if... If he gets playing under Jesse Marsh, he will be amazing, by the way. But I think him getting called up again is very good. But it's a bit of a strange Italy squad. Like you said, um, yeah, Gabbiadini. Gabbiadini, what do you... I, I, there's no words. Let's just move on. Just let's I move think, on. It's if you look at the other strikers, you've got... Now, we give him a lot of stick. Immobile, but he's... Okay, for Italy, he's terrible, but he's a good striker. Politano, Raspadori, Scamacca, and you're going to play King Gabbiadini. It makes zero sense. Um, in midfield, Pobega could be quite exciting. But yeah, it's not a fantastic Italy team. But I think what we're seeing is, we've said in the past that um, Italy need kind of fresh, um, kind of fresh impetus and fresh um, ideas, fresh players in the team. The whole thing kind of expired after the Euros. So I think this is possibly Mancini trying to do that and trying to be like, right, let's get some fresh ideas, some fresh energy in it and see what we can do. So that kind of brings the group, really. Um, mm. England, of course, facing Italy, as we said. Elsewhere, we've got Germany taking on Hungary and then Italy take on... Uh, no, England take on Germany and Italy take on Hungary. It's kind of a close group it would be yes. fantastic i know hungary has all its issues but it would be fantastic to see the football team get to like the semi-finals of the nations league that would be an it'd incredible be story right it'd be absolutely beautiful and the potential teams that they could play i mean it's going to get harder let's put it mm. that way so yeah. we've got <laughs> yeah. netherlands and potentially belgium we've also got maybe spain or portugal and then potentially we're talking about denmark and croatia because group one in the uh league a, I can't believe I'm saying League A, but anyway, it sounds amateurish. <laughs> but yeah, in this particular group, we've got France, bottom of the group. Rory, Ooh. I mean, fascinating, isn't it? Because this is the build-up to the World Cup. They're not playing necessarily bad, but they haven't been doing very well in terms of getting results. They've lost at home to the likes of Denmark and Croatia. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, what do you make of this France squad? Because everyone keeps on typing this squad up and saying they've got the potentials of winning this World Cup. But based on this form alone, it doesn't feel like they're going to do it at the World Cup because we know what happens with a French squad when they have a meltdown. They really go to town, don't they? Yeah, well, they do love it. And we've now got Paul Pogba tied up in whatever he's tied up in. Um, Which doctors? <laughs> yeah, which doctors and Mbappe, and it does feel like the French meltdown to, <laughs> to match all French meltdowns. But 
in all seriousness, they have yeah. one saving grace, which is they have the best centre-back in world football in William Saliba. So they will be <laughs> fine. <laughs> they will be absolutely fine. No, I think, yeah. Um, Deschamps, is he kind of running out of time? I know he won the World Cup, but... Well, he's a but, bit no, like Southgate. Cup, he deserves he? another chance. He's right? just like um, Southgate. He plays it safe. Yeah. He goes for yeah, the same yeah. players. I mean, yeah. we've been talking about Mayan and how Magic Mike yeah, has true. been doing it for true. Milan, but he can't get in the squad because Hugo Lloris is the captain. Yeah. You've got yeah, a few yeah. kind of candidates like that, like Pavard, and I know he's had a gr- better season this season than last for Bayern Munich and for the French squad. Mm. Uh, but again, he's one of those that a lot of French commentators have said. He's not necessarily the best yeah, out yeah. there. Um, mm-hmm. Again, midfield, I feel like that's a bit disjointed at times. Pogba being mm-hmm. one of the reasons, but yeah. even if you take him An away, aging I, Kante, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got that, and then up top, you've got the Griezmann situation where he can't play consistently or can't get yeah. enough of game time <laughs> at the moment with Atletico Madrid. So that means. Giroud, or does it mean Mbappe, or does it well mean... Benzema's still there, right? He's he's got yeah, called back I mean, into the fold, right? They've got a lot of players, right? But let's remind ourselves that the Euros, what they did as well, right? They mm-hmm. struggled. They on yeah. paper they should have been the team that went to the final, right? But for yeah, whatever yeah. reason, internally, I think there were still fractions, and that was yeah. quite clearly seen by the fact that Benzema was included for this one. So yeah, yeah. I like Benzema. I think he's a great player. But again, he hasn't had a fantastic start, and I think he's been very unlucky with his injuries. So mm-hmm. maybe yeah. for the French squad, that might be a good thing to have right now. On the other side of things, Denmark look really good. They're always good a team. workman-like good, good team. team. But yeah. they've got a really good coach. I'm surprised this coach hasn't been snapped up by a club, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, um, again, I think he would do a fascinating job for someone in Europe. And I'm just saying yeah. someone in Europe because I don't necessarily think he should just come to the Premier League. I think he'd, no. he seems like a Bundesliga star. Yeah, yeah, he feels he like that. Feel like He's that. got vibes like that. Feel like that. Croatia yeah, yeah. again, doing quite, yeah. quite well. And Arnautovic, he's in form like we know at Bologna. Could he be still top scoring? Said, yeah, off the top of my head yeah, at the yeah. moment, as it currently yeah. stands. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. again, that group is so fascinating, and uh, yeah, just I think, and I don't know about you, Roy, but the, these set of games feel like preparation for the world cup, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the concentration, yeah, they're is very much about this warm ups, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. and that, that's even the same with my team, Poland. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a weird situation because we're in a very hard group where we've got the likes of Netherlands, Belgium, we've got Wales as well. Wales, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Belgium and Netherlands have run away with it. Uh, as it currently stands, it's 1 0 to Netherlands against Poland. Poland, yeah, Mikniewicz, the coach at the moment, he's tr- kind of said openly that he's only going to take players that are playing games. So the likes of Shurkovsky, okay. for example, who's currently on the bench at Fiorentina, he said he's worried about him and his potential inclusions, which is a surprise because wow. a lot of Polish fans rate him. They'd prefer mm-hmm. him to be in the squad. Our, uh, Milik's got game time at Juventus, which he was very happy about because he said if he was at Marseille, he was worried about not including him. Piontek's obviously starting to get form for Salernitana. And this could be Lewandowski's last tournament, potentially. He could retire after this tournament. So, again, this could be a massive tournament for Poland in the sense of I'm not expecting much because every time I hype up this squad, we never deliver. So I'm just going to set my expectations really low and just say we'll be lucky to get out of the group stage. 
Um, but our, our group, group isn't for... particularly hard because we've got Mexico, Saudi Arabia, and I've forgotten the other team's name now off the top of my head. But yeah, um, well, there's two on teams paper, probably better. On paper, yeah. it feels like we could do well. I, I think yeah. it's Argentina. Um, there you go. So Ooh, we're probably losing. It is, Argentina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, on paper we'll probably end up last in that group. We'll probably like draw with Saudi Arabia <laughs> or something like that. Stupid. Somehow, like that. I was yeah. just looking through the squad, and my favourite Simon Shimanski is not in the squad. I fucking love no, that guy. He's not yeah, in the squad. He's Maybe... uh, injured. Yeah, he got injured for oh, Feyenoord, unfortunately. So he was going to be included, but um, yeah, the Polish national team—they've got this fascinating vlog that they do is uh, on Wonche Nas Piłki. Uh, Pilka okay. even. Um, so they do vlogs about the squads and you get the whole insights, them in oh, the nice. changing rooms, in the hotel rooms. What was fascinating was seeing the Italian players come to the, um, obviously, the camp. And uh, what's it? Uh, Zelinski was asking Piontek about the Juventus match. He said, what happened? How how did you right. concede so quickly? Like, And he's just like, the team, they just were flagging, basically. So it was <laughs> hilarious to see that. Zalewski was interesting nice. to see there as well. And then you oh, saw Lewandowski kind of talking about how to kick a football, which was, yeah, Lewandowski, <laughs> typical things. Yeah. yeah, so it was fascinating. <laughs> but yeah, Poland, I love that. all I can say is we'll be lucky to get out of this group at this moment in time. I think we probably do enough, but we've got a tough game. I think mm. it's on Sunday against Wales in Wales. Oof. We did beat them in the first leg or yeah. the first game, should I say, in Poland. So... Yeah, it could be a tough one. I thought you can just get a draw. I think we've done enough. Yeah. Um, but as no, it currently just... stands, Belgium are beating Wales. So it looks like regardless of the results, I think Wales are out of this group as yeah. well. They're going to be relegated. So, Well, I did love De Bruyne's comments this week of I'm bored of playing Wales because it feels like <laughs> Belgium and Wales play each other every single week. It is mental. <laughs> they never, ever stop playing each other. Um, we're going to quickly just cover a few more countries. I'm going to yes. go for this one. And very quickly, Ireland. Um, the squad, it's looking a little bit healthier. We're going to very quickly go through it. So players like... Oma Bamidele, the centre-back for Norwich, is back in the squad. Odauda's back up front. He's having an okay season. Two goals, two assists in eight games for Cardiff. Ogbene, love that guy. Just the happiest guy ever. Got a really great record for Ireland. He's got five goals in 11 games for Rotherham so far this season. He's back in the squad as well. And the legend that is Robbie Brady is back after 18 months of injury he is back in the island squad so the squad's looking a little bit healthier but we do have to play scotland um in ireland though last time we beat them 3-0 which was absolutely came from nowhere michael obafemi banger um brown and parrot with the goals then we're up against armenia we lost one nil last time i think it would be massive to get two wins and uh, i think we could get two wins there and it would yeah. mean that ireland wouldn't be relegated i would quite right. like ireland i feel like league b as much as tradition exists in the Nations League, is kind of, is kind of where Ireland belong. So I think I would quite like them to mm. stay where they are. So yeah, Ireland taking on Scotland and taking on Armenia this weekend. That is on Saturday and Monday, I want to say. So the last, last game or last team that we're going to talk about is my old home. I was only there for a year, but I absolutely loved it. It made a huge imprint on me. It is... Kazakhstan. Now, I know you're you're only thinking of Borat, guys. Stop thinking about Borat. There's more to Kazakhstan than that, kind of. But they are currently they've won four and drawn one. 
Um, they're currently top of the group on 13 points. The closest team is Slovakia on six. So this mm. is a group of Kazakhstan, Slovakia, Azerbaijan, and Belarus. Now, I know they're not footballing giants, but compared to Kazakhstan, I would arguably say Slovakia should be better than them. Yeah. I would arguably say Azerbaijan and Belarus should be better than them. I feel like yeah. Kazakhstan are massively overachieving. It is incredible to see. When I was there, I was lucky enough to watch some football there. I think the quality is better than you would anticipate. Saw some very good players. They've got a player who plays for Zenit St. Petersburg, Alip, yeah. the centre back, and a name I cannot pronounce, Shutdinediov. I want to say he plays for CSKA. Sounds like a Russian. Yes, just make Russian noises. Um, He plays for CSKA in Moscow. (laughs) So they've got a few games, a few decent players doing really well. They will be in League B next year. So I could get the dream tie of Ireland against Kazakhstan. I could get it. It could happen. (laughs) Who knows? Um, But listeners, that is us for this week. Um, I think we've covered everything. I think we've covered everything. Yeah. It feels like we did an all right job. Um, do let us know. <laughs> For now, <laughs> I don't know how to end this part. For now, we're going to leave you with a pretty big interview. And we didn't even talk yeah. about it at the beginning of the show. But I'm super excited for you to listen to this interview. This is just me um, with the ex-Crew Alexandra manager, um, Gibraltar International David Artel. It was a fascinating chat about not just Crew Alex, uh, <laughs> but we talked about his career within football, his international career, the problems he faced at Crew Alexandra, how it feels to run a club basically on your own, his philosophy in football. We discussed it all. He was an incredibly nice bloke, was super generous with his time. Thank you, David. And listeners, enjoy. time for our weekly topic and this week we are joined by former crew alexandra and gibraltar international david artel david how are you today where are you calling us from i'm great thank you rory i'm uh, i'm at home uh, so uh i'm just uh having five minutes talking to you and uh, stroking my my dog so he's a beautiful dog doing. what's his name for our listeners yes. Yeah, beautiful. I have, he, he has kind of poked his head onto screen. He seems quite yeah. relaxed. Just hey, rocking up. There you go, look. Perfect. So, David, we always start in our interviews in the same kind of style, and we ask about how did you get into football? Um, how did you start playing? And who were your biggest influences on your early career? I think... I think I had a very similar route to probably what tens of thousands of kids up and down the country did who were similar age to me and who were probably having, it's changed slightly, but it's it's Mm. very similar format. You start off in youth football, you know, I I played back home in in Rotherham um, and you you play for fun, you know, the the biggest influences are your parents because they take you everywhere and they support you at that stage. And... You know, you you just love the game. You grow up to love the game. It's the nation's game, and and I was I was no different. So that's you know, it's it's no um, there's no sort of massive backstory to how yeah. I got football. It was kicking the ball about in the streets, running home, getting your homework done straight after school, and and getting in the park and playing on the bowling greens and getting chased by the park keeper. <laughs> that was that was my childhood. 
So were you a Rotherham fan growing up then? Were they the team you supported? Because they were the first team you would go on to play for, right? Was yeah, that they were the you team. supported as a kid? Yeah, they were the team I went to watch, yeah. Nice. And how does that feel like? Because eventually you obviously went through that youth system and you played for your hometown team. That must feel like to get that dream ticked off straight away, right? How did that feel <clears> representing your hometown club or the club you supported? Yeah, I think, you know, when you grow up supporting a team and, and you end up playing for them, it is you know, dream and what have you. I was extremely fortunate the first two years as a, as a perfect, we, we actually won the league in the youth team, which I know mm-hmm. everyone sort of seems to say they do, but <laughs> back then we had Leeds and Newcastle and, you know, all the, all the big guns. Um, Sheffield United, we drew Sheffield United on the last day to win the league. Um, you know, so then that, that was good. And the first year pro, we got promoted out of what was Division 3 back then. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't. I think I played one game. Then the second season as a pro, we we got promoted to the championship. What is now the championship? Wow. And I played whatever it was, 36, 37, 38 games. It was only the first sort of five or six games I didn't play. So, as well as playing for your hometown club, when you when you have a you sort of your, your real formative years in the game, your two years as, a, as, a, as an apprentice as it was back then, and your first two years as a pro, just winning. Mm-hmm. It, it makes you understand what it takes quite quickly. Well, very quickly. Yeah. And I, I was I was fortunate to sort of carry that through my career. Um, so it wasn't just a, a dream, to use your words, in mm-hmm. terms of putting on the shirt. We were actually winning and, yeah. and, and overachieving. You know, we, we were relegation favourites um, and we ended up getting promoted to the championship. Um, you know, and, and you know, that obviously had... Um, similarities to what we had at Crew. Um, yeah. Uh, and what was, so what do you think it was about that, the, the Rotherham squad and the management at the time that made you able to overachieve in your own words? Like, what, was that a, a kind of a, a team spirit? Was it the manager's tactics? What was it you think that it was able to make you overachieve? Well, the, the team spirit certainly got us points. There's no, there's no getting around that. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's, if you've got a good group, it's worth 10 to 15 points. And it's no point just saying you've got a good group. You've got to have a, a, a good group that's really close and special. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy. That's not easy. So, so we did, um, But we had that. So that was, like I said, worth 10 to 15 points. The, the other thing, we obviously had a manager in Ronnie Moore who mm-hmm. uh, was young, enthusiastic, knew what he wanted. There was no grey areas with, with, with the gaffer. He, he let you know. Uh, in non-certain <laughs> terms, if you'd made a mistake and, and all the rest of it. Um, but then the, the, the final thing was, is we had good players. Mm. We had good players who were undervalued at the time. You know, we, yeah, we had a sprinkling, your, your likes of Mark Robbins, who was 34. He's one of the best finishers that I've ever seen. He, right. he could score a goal with both feet, with lots of different techniques. And because his legs were going, everyone, oh no. I think he scored whatever it was, 15 goals or something. We had Alan Lee, who went on to have a terrific career in the championship. You know, Ipswich and Cardiff and places like that. We had Paul Warren, who's the other manager now. We had Paul Hurst, the Grimsby manager. We had Kev Watson, who's been managing. You know, we had Rob Scott, who's a head of recruitment. We had Guy Branson, who's still in football. Who's, who's, I think he's now become an agent, but he was at loans at Leicester. You know, you've got Mike Pollitt in the goal, who was, who's been a goalkeeper coach in the Premier League. You, you've you've got a group of players. That's just you know I could I could go on. Yeah, that's a group of players who understood football, loved football, and have stayed in football. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I'm pretty certain Ronnie Moore didn't um, recruit players based on whether they were going to stay in football and make it their careers. But he obviously had a knack of picking a player. And when you've got that, um, you, you overachieve, you do. Um, and like I said, they, they, were, they were good players. Um, and, and, and we, we, I can't remember, you know, we were going to places like Stoke. I can't remember second second appearance at Stoke. It was like 30,000. They'd just come down. Um, all the Icelandic people were there at the time. And yes. we, you know, little, little old Rotham's rocking up. Um, you know, I scored. We drew one all. Um, you know, we were going to Bristol City and Millwall and all these play Reading. Big clubs and, and Rotherham at the time wasn't didn't have the fancy stadium that it's got now. Yeah. And and you know, like I say, we got promoted to the to the championship based on hard work, you know, that togetherness, but you know, some some ability and and a, you know, people prepared to to go the extra mile, which it sounds so easy to say that it's very difficult to achieve. Mm-hmm. But everything from you know staying out after training to all socialising together. You know, if, if if one of the lads at the right time said, right, we should all go out together. There was no, oh, I'm not sure about it. I'm not. Everyone just went. Everyone just went because we knew it was the right time to do it. We knew it was sort of in the, from a professional capacity, if you like. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and the, the whole, but that, that was just sort of like a, that's the easy, lazy option, if you like, the English option. Mm. You know, the, 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 the football answer is, we used to stay out on the training pitch and improve and practice and want to be together. Mm. You know, the manager used to have to drag us in because we just wanted to play football and love playing football. And when, you, when you're in that mindset and you've got that group, we're just mates playing. Sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. You, you, you do get a success. Well, it sounds like it was a really great atmosphere and like people wanting to work, no matter what job you're in. As long as people want to work where they are, you're going to get better results, right? Um, so what are the, like, the main lessons that you learned from Ronnie Moore? Then? So it seems like you had a, a big impact on your career. What were the lessons that you took with you into your managerial <coughs> career from him? I think Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie was, was I'm, I'd be, I'm forever grateful for Ronnie for um, giving me an opportunity in football. Because yeah. it's, it's not easy to trust young players. Trust me. <laughs> I, I know. We'll get on to it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's extremely difficult not to show your frustrations and, and all the rest of it when they make a mistake, because you do. You know, I can remember my, my debut with, with Swansea away. And I come on and I have a heavy touch and I, and I give the ball away. And next thing that, you know, the goalkeepers give a penalty away. And it was all because of, basically because of me. Right. Um, and I'm thinking, oh my God, you know. And, and don't get me wrong, that was the back end of the, the first promotion. Um, mm-hmm. And it took me sort of six games in the, in the second season where we got promoted to the championship. For me, I think to um, regain the trust of, the, of, of, of Ronnie Moore. Um, so it's you know, and he didn't have to put me in. You know, he put me the, the well, the, whether he, whether he meant to or not, I don't know. But the the reason I got my uh, um, chance at Rotherham really was all because of the fuel crisis. Okay, I know it sounds crazy, um, but it's true. Right. Um, so we was playing Wrexham away. 
we just lost 6-1 at Cambridge by the fourth fourth league game. Yeah. And I was on the bench. It was red hot Saturday afternoon. Didn't get on. Assistant manager said to me on the on the way home, be ready, you never know. So I, I you know, I was sub at Wrexham. I was a bit disappointed when the, the team was sort of announced on Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got a chance here. So anyway, we're going along the M56 past Manchester Airport towards North towards Chester and North Wales. And uh, at the time, there's we didn't know it, obviously. Um, half seven kickoff, we're, we're due to get there at whatever, quarter past six. There's four taxi drivers going along the M56, all four lanes, doing like 10 mile an hour. Right. And they are heading down to the Stanlow Oil Refinery, which is sort of okay. Runcorn, um, you know, Runcorn, Liverpool, the Wirral Way. And they did that for, you know, it took us half an hour extra. In fact, it was longer. Uh, it must have been, well, it must, it, it took, we, got, we got to the race course at Wrexham at 20 past seven, so half seven Oof. kickoff. Right. So we asked, the, you know, the gaffer or whoever it was, asked them to put the game back to, to court to eight. They refused. So we literally got off the bus, put his gear on, and straight out. You know, straight out. You know, it, will, it won't be allowed today, but that's no, no, no. So I'm on the bench. Um, the the 35 year old centre half who had played on Saturday pulls his hamstring after eight minutes. So I got on the pitch and we win 3-1. They scored last kick. So it was, you know, nothing to do with me. Yeah. Ronnie Moore went mad at the player whose fault it was. Right. Uh, you think you're effing Glenn Oddle. That was the, <laughs> that was, that was the memory in my head. Um, and and, I, and I, I then played on the Saturday against Wickham. We won 1-0. I got sent off last kick. Oof. Again, wasn't my fault, really. Guy Branson did the back header to the goalkeeper. They're quick forwards, you mean it's bone ready. So did I. I genuinely tried to get the ball just outside the right. box. <laughs> brought him down last minute. Keeper saves the free kick. Ronnie Moore comes in and pats me on the back and says, You won us the game. Wow. Which was different because I expected a you know a ticking off because that yeah. was that was the way. Um he, he gave Guy a, a ticking off light. Um I missed the Tuesday. The lad was back in. The 35-year-old was back in. I think No, the, Saturday, the following Saturday, it was against Reading. We lost 3-1, I think it was. And then I played ever since. I played every wow. game after that. Um, to the end of the season, I think, bar one, I think, because I, I got a tight hamstring, pulled my hamstring, something like that. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all because of four taxi drivers. <laughs> You need, to, you need to find him and thank him, really, right? That's mad that they made you just go straight out onto the pitch. Like when you see a teammate pull up with an injury like that, right? Obviously, your first thing, like, is your first instinct, like, yes, I'm getting on the pitch? Or is it, like, I hope he's all right, I'm getting on the pitch? No, I think, you know, the, tr- the truth, if you ask any footballer, the truth is, if you're, if you're a sub and I'm a defender, I want my team to win, whoever I'm yeah, playing yeah. for. I want us to win 6-5. Right. And I want I want a centre half to be at fault for all five goals. Yeah, yeah. That, that's human nature. If, you know, if if you if you're a, a striker, you want the team to win one nil and the centre half to score. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 what you want. There's, there's no that's human nature. Um, and I, I'm no different. I'm no different. You know, you've got you've got to understand that as, as a manager. Certainly, mm-hmm. that's it's not. 
you've got a problem when you you've got you want players actually for the team to lose because they're not playing. There's a bigger picture that you're missing there, pal. You know, come on. Because when you get a chance, you can't just flick a switch. Oh, everyone yeah. now start winning because I'm in the team. Don't wear like that. No, no. So after Rodrum, you moved to Mansfield. I saw that here you were managed by the legendary Keith Kerr. I think a, a character in the game that everybody loved and every it was an incredible lower league manager. How was it to work under him? And then later on, you worked under Carlton Palmer, another kind of character. Um, how was it to work under Keith Curl? I have to, I have to say that the time at Mansfield was a great time. They'd been, they've got some really good young players. You, you Lee Williamson, who went to play for Sheffield United, Liam Lawrence, Sunderland mm-hmm. Stoke, um, you know, Tom Curtis, Wayne Corden, who were a bit older. Um, but we had some some really good young players. Bobby Hassel, who played for Barnsley for a long time, he's now Kevin yeah. Langley at Barnsley. Some real good young players. Alex Baptiste played for Bolton, Blackpool. We, we were all of a very similar age. I was probably 23. The, the, the lads who were there had been really, really well coached by a guy called Billy Dearden before, okay. before I got there. And they loved playing football. And mm. it was very similar to Rotherham. They just, the age group was slightly younger. And, you know, we did well. We, we, we lost in the playoff final on penalties um, to Huddersfield. And, and we played some good stuff. We played some really good football, I have to say. Um, and, and Keith was, a, was was very good in that, yeah, I have to say. He, um, I didn't realise until he got Northampton promoted a couple of years, last year, year before, it was his first promotion because my experience of Keith, because obviously I had him at Chester as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, he wanted to play good football and, and it, it was surprising that it took him that long, I have to say. But he, he was... Um, no, he, he was great. I have to say, he was good. Uh, he wasn't as detailed as as, as Ronnie Moore mm-hmm. uh, around certain aspects, but then he was more specific about style of play. Okay, definitely. Um, whereas Ronnie was was more about, um, I suppose, the non-negotiables, if you like, and okay. and that kind of stuff. That that there were, whereas whereas. Keith was more style over substance, whereas Ronnie was more substance. Um, that's why. So how does that how does that reflect in the training? Like, is the training then more about well, under Keith Curl, if it's about style of play, it's more about shape and about tactics, and then I don't know, that, that was more, was more. No, that was more Ronnie Moore was more oh, okay. shape, right. tactics. Um, Keith Curl was more about technique, uh, right. looking good, finesse, okay. <laughs> flair. Um, you know that, that that kind of stuff. So when you marry the two together, when you by the time you're 24, I think you've got a real good blend already. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, both sides of the coin almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so that was it, it was good. I'd say I, I really enjoyed my time. My, certainly my initial time at Mansfield. Keith, Keith was very good. Nice. Well, the two of the players you mentioned there, Liam Lawrence and Alex Baptiste, I remember them being like. Liam Lawrence was incredible when he was at that Mansfield team. I remember for a while he was linked with Crew, and I was really hopeful he'd go to Crew, but he absolutely tore it up at Stoke afterwards. I think mm-hmm. he was always a great, great player. Liam Lawrence, I remember him a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's, I think he's still he's well. He's coaching in Stoke's academy now. Mm-hmm. Um, he lives lives uh, on Witchwood Park in between Stoke and Crew. So yeah, uh, so yeah, he's 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 a good guy. I would say good guy, good player. I'm sure he's. Uh, Enjoying coaching, I have to say. 
Nice. And then, um, so after Mansfield, we're going to kind of jump to Crew Alexandra because I want to talk about Crew Alex now, basically. Uh, so I grew up, I grew up all my childhood watching the Alex going home and away. Um, and I really, really fondly remember the promotion campaign with you as captain. Now, in that team, we had some incredible young players in that team. Um, how was it to play with them? Because that was like, to like yeah. Lee Powell, there was Max Clayton, right? Ashley Westwood, Kelvin Miller, maybe. It seemed like there was a really good batch of young players at the team. How was it at the time? How was it to captain those players? And what in your career had helped you give patience? Like, did you have to show patience to those young players? I think... Um... I, th- I think you've, you, you know, you appreciate good players. That's the mm-hmm. first thing. Um, you know, and it's always nice. I, you know, Nick Powell was a level above. Yeah. It's quite clear. It was, you know, every every game he'd do something that um, was special. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean necessarily mean a goal, although he scored a, a fair few crackers. I can remember a couple at Gillingham that were outstanding. Obviously yeah. the final. Um, you know, so so is, is, it, there was that. Max was a bit, a bit further behind in his development, yeah. but you could see he was going to be a cracking player, like a, a top player. And then you've got your Westies, who sort of, you know, and I'm sure Westie would say this. He was just the grafter. He was just yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the one that'd keep going. But his techniques was outstanding. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I don't think anyone would have predicted that Westie'd have the career he'd have. I, I don't. That's I don't think I'm being disparaging when I say that. Um, because he's 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 done absolutely terrifically well, you know, and it I think it shows that when you mix uh, the technical ability that he's got with the character that he's got, mm-hmm. and it doesn't surprise you that he's had the career that he's had. Yeah, yeah. He had the best character out of all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was outstanding in terms of his his determination, his his doggedness, his his application. Um, his mentality, you know, he's you can't you could just see a steel inside him yeah, where yeah. some of them didn't have that, you know, that's that's the truth. Um, I, I look at the players <clears throat> who I've played with, who I've managed, um, who I believe are going to have the best careers, and the, the ones that are, and West is one of them, they're trained every day. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but some players don't train every day. You know, or, or I'm on about over the course of season. They might yeah, have missed yeah, yeah. a month in sporadic bits. You know, and 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 more importantly, they've trained properly. Mm-hmm. They've trained with purpose, which sounds well, surely every day that happens, doesn't? No. Doesn't. Some people just go out and go right. What we're doing today? I'll pass it. Do I'll let you go. This will do. This will do. Yeah, yeah. Like the Westies, Harry Pickering was one. Charlie Kirk was one. <laughs> proper techniques proper techniques and um, you know so you know it's that's that's the difference that is yeah. the difference right there that deliberate practice that um you know it, it's it's as a, as a manager a coach you try to make players understand that you're not just here to occupy my time yeah, 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 yeah. you're just not you're here to to improve your head has got to be in the session. You've got mm. to understand what you're doing. You've got to critically analyze every pass that you're doing, the passing drill, and, and mm. to the next cone or, or jog or whatever that, that physical output is. But understand that this bit's important. And if it's, there's a physical element to it, right, you understand that that bit, as well as this bit's important, 
and and as opposed to just going right, I'm going to do that, and then I'll have a little giggle and chat, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, this is, you know, this is really important because this is, this is you're not going to have a giggle or a chat on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Is what's going to stand you in good stead when you cross that white line. This is what's going to let you down. Yeah. And Westies, you like I say your your Pickerings, your um, your Kirks, your your Perrys, they they're the ones that. It doesn't surprise me that they, they, they do go on because they do it properly all the time. Yeah, because I feel like and, and with Nick Powell, I remember watching him and he was obviously an outstanding player and I was incredibly excited. That playoff goal is one of the best goals I've ever seen, like the playoff final goal. It was unbelievable. Um, but I feel like maybe he got unlucky with the timing at Manchester United or maybe his, his head wasn't right. I'm not sure what it was. But if you're managing a player who maybe their attitude isn't, a hundred percent. We've seen it with Deli Ali recently. He's kind of career kind of taking a sidewinder. What do you do as a manager, or how do you kind of try and get through to that player and change their attitude? I think it's a real <laughs> art of like man management, right? Well, I'll give you I'll give you an example, specific example. When it well, mm. we was um, we were we was out training one day, just starting the session. We were doing what what a rondo or a circle. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, everyone knows what one of them is. Nick gives the ball away, should go in the middle and run around to get to get it back. And he went, right, I'm going in. So there was like four of these, or three rondos, you know, right. three lots of eight, whatever it was. I can't remember, but there was certainly more than one circle. And Lee Bell was in, I was in, you know, the, this circle, and, and probably needs to go in the middle with whoever else was in the middle. And he just went, ah, I can't I'm going in. Wow. So Lee Bell started hammering him. I can imagine. I can imagine. To the point where I thought, ooh, hang on a minute. And the, the session stops at this point, and, it, yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. just stopped for 10 seconds. It's going for a minute, two minutes. You know, Steve Davis is at the end watching someone else and, and bakes and what have you. And I just went, Belly, leave him. Right. It's his career. Fuck off. Oh, sorry. No, don't worry. That's not a problem. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I just said, let him go in. Go on, yeah. go in. Go in. So, and, and he went in. So, so you know, I said, I'll go in the middle. Not a problem. So, so you know, Belly's steamed coming out of his ears. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, I spoke to Belly. I said, listen, Belly, you, that's his career. Mm-hmm. Now's not the time. He's not wasting my time. I'm here to improve. Yeah. And he's not dragging me down. He's a brilliant player. He's not going to drag me down. Right. He's not going to drag you down. He's not going to drag us down. So, so that that was that. And then, then I went at the end of the session. I can remember going in and speaking to him and saying, "Listen, I said if you want to do that, that's your choice." You know, so that's that's up to you. But I'm telling you now, I'm I'm 29. Um, that is not the way forward. Mm-hmm. Just to let you know. I said, you can take this advice, you can, you, whatever, it's up to you. But I'm giving it to you because I think it's my duty as captain, as one of the senior pros. Out on the pitch wasn't the time because you were affecting everyone else. Mm-hmm. Now it's just me and you. I'm not doing it in front yeah. of everyone. I'm not making you an idiot. I'm not doing anything. I said, it's just it's just advice from a, an older player that, that right. I hope you take on board. Did he take it on board? Probably not. That's true. <laughs> Probably not. That's the that's that's the truth, um, you know. And and I look I look at, you know, people use the word mavericks and right. you know all that, that kind of stuff. Was he a maverick? I don't think he matters 
whether you're labelling him Maverick or not. He was a really good player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he still is a very good player. He's probably yeah. Stoke's, Stoke's best player still. You know, I, I saw Stoke. Uh, in fact, I'm going to Stoke tonight to watch him against Swansea. Right. Um, and what did I see him against? Wigan. Last okay. Wigan. Wigan. It's this season. Have I been to Stoke this season? Wigan Stoke. Yeah, it must have been. I'm sure it was Wigan Stoke this year. Right. Um, two walls. I, I can't remember anyway. Um, he was the best player on the pitch. Right. He's a good player. You know, should he have achieved more than what he should have, you know, achieved in his career? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He should have. Yeah. He's a terrific player. He's outstanding. He's better than championship level. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest clubs in the championship level. But why is he at the championship? I mean, it's not having to do with ability. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the thing that actually Westwood's got that Nick Powell okay. hasn't got. And yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's my opinion. You know, he's still had, Nick's still had a terrific career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while you were at Crew, obviously you took on this captain's role. As you said, you were one of the senior pros. Is this when you realised you wanted to? go into football management or did you always know that after football it was what you wanted to do? I think um, up until this sort of last three or four months I've not been a great planner. That's the truth. Okay, right. That's the truth. Um, Although I have got a thirst for knowledge and a thirst for work and and an understanding and and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I've never really mapped out where, if you like, what and where. Um, what what I understood when I when I come to Crew extremely quickly was my place, was my role. Mm-hmm. I don't just mean defender. I mean mentor. Yeah, really, player mentor sounds crazy, but that's that's what it was. And the example I was giving you, there's there's lots of others, lots yeah. of others. Um, I can I can remember one before the. <laughs> The, the semi-final second leg at, at South End that I don't yes. <laughs> I don't really want to tell you um, um, you know the, 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 and I think when you when players come to you I think I've said it before when players come to you and say what do you think about this what do you think about that and they come into you in the dressing room um, they come into you in the canteen they come to you on the pitch and they just want your sort of advice your input um as opposed to going to at the time, Dario, Steve, yeah. Neil Baker. Um, you're thinking, why are they come to me? Well, it's, it's safer, obviously, <laughs> safer coming to me than Neil Baker. <laughs> right. <laughs> at times, anyway, Nick Baker's great. Um, you know, so but then they're coming to you as opposed to why they're not coming to going to Steve Phillips, why they're not going right. to Lee Barry. You know, I, that that. The, the dressing room we had, the young players knew that they had a voice. Yeah. They also knew they had to, that there was a, a healthy uh, respect between everyone. I don't mean old and young, mm-hmm. although that is part of it, but I'm on about young to young, old to old, okay. a healthy respect. Um, and it was important that their opinions mattered. And if they wanted to say something, and because I made that really clear, over and above some of the other older pros who right. didn't have that opinion, 
I think that them players come to me because they thought I was fair, okay. if, if that's the right term, at the mm -hmm. time as a captain and a leader and all this bit. They knew I would listen as opposed to just, I don't know, dismiss, take the mic, okay. whatever. Yeah, yeah. But when when you when you you know when when you sit and think about it, which I did, um, you then go, you know, I've, I've said it before. Crew's a completely different football club to what to all the others I've been to. Um, it's a proper coaching club. Like I said, Mansfield, Mansfield, going back, you you were coached. Yeah. In in. So a similar kind of way, but nowhere near as much detail. Rather than you were coaching in a very much a team way. Okay. Crew was very much an individual team coaching with detail. Mm -hmm. So when you when you put that together and the fact that you are you so you're getting all the detail that you need as a as a coach manager. Um you, you've got quite a lot of different experiences that all these young players that haven't got and, and you've lived a bit longer. You know, mm -hmm. six, seven, eight years longer, whatever, ten years in some cases. Then you sort of go, "Hang on a minute, I've got a bit more to give here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I said, I think it was probably I'd only been at the club about three months, and I went and knocked on Dario's door. Um, and I said, "Can I do some coaching?" Okay. Um, and I, I think to be honest, he was taken aback. Right. Um, I don't know. I'll probably have to ask him, but he probably won't remember now. Um, but it's all right. Yeah, if you want, you know. Okay. And it was great. It basically said, "Come and stand on the astroturf and watch for right. three months." And bear in mind, it was probably already November. He probably thought, well, "Let's say you get on by the time it gets to February, and it's absolutely <laughs> chucking it down." Yeah. And it did. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> you go, to, you go to the training grounds twice a week through the winter months. You're going to get wet. And you're going to be really, yeah. really cold, um, you know, because and especially when you're just watching, you know, when yeah, you're coaching, yeah, yeah. it's a bit different, it goes a bit quicker and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's what I did. That's mm -hmm. what I did. And I started coaching a bit, taking one section of the session. Mm -hmm. And then in the second year, you take a bit more and you do a bit more. And then obviously, you know, I got released after just getting promoted after straight after the playoff final. Um, ended up signing for Northampton and, and realising, you know, I was coming up, up and down the motorway twice a week to coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a big, bit of a bigger commitment than just staying at the training ground after training twice a mm -hmm. week or going back home, Chester to Crew's only 45 minutes. Northampton to Crew is... <laughs> it's a fair old trek. Yeah, it's a yeah. fair old trek to, to, to get wet on a cold Monday night. Kind of thing, yeah, taking yeah. some, you know, fourteen-year-old or sixteen-year-old as it was. Um, yeah. Um. But but you but you do it. There's a reason I did it. Not because I thought at that point, um, I want to be a manager. Right. I, I realised that I were at a very good club to learn. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I realised I wanted to get better mm -hmm. as a player, and one of the reasons, one of the ways you can get better. Is learn how to coach. Yeah. If you learn the game more, you'll become a better player. I wish I knew now what, what I, what you know, when I was twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, much yeah. A better player. Yeah. 
so that that was that was the reason really um and then that sort of led to you know being offered a, a role at crew as i think it was operations manager but i don't think dario you could take the academy manager's tag off dario but he certainly wasn't the academy manager that's for sure right okay he, he wasn't no, that's not me right he, he was coach he was yeah he was, yeah, yeah. He was what the the new term is head of coaching. That's what he was. Okay, right, right, right. You know, he he wasn't bothered in paperwork, and he just wanted to coach, write a session down, and that was it. Whereas when you had to log the session, who was in the session, and all that kind of stuff, okay, yeah. someone else did that for him. But there was all sorts of other stuff to do with the audit, which I was quite fine doing, all the management, okay. if you like. Yeah, and yeah. Whilst also coaching, you know, that's nice. what that's what I was doing. So my days were full and. Probably fuller than anyone's there, and yet you, you know, we—that's what it was. We were brought into to continue coaching, mm-hmm. keep adding them words of wisdom, um, keep learning, without a shadow of a doubt, and yeah. um, you know, pass the audit. That was the other thing. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, we did. I think we had nine. I think, I think there was only nine sort of like action points. Okay. Um, Whereas I think the last audit was something like fifty six or something like that. So oh, we, okay, right, right. we did we did did really well on that because it's not there's a lot of funding, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's important within within Crew Alex, you said it's a very like individual, it's a very kind of unique club. What I love about the club is just the sheer focus on youth on like giving youth, youth players a chance and like the production of youth of young players. Um is that something that attracted you to managing then? Like, was it like how did you manage that ethos? Because I feel like not many clubs sheerly focus on young players, and we don't tend to bring in like we don't do transfers in general. Really, most of our team tends to be young players. What are the challenges of that? And is that something that wanted that made you want to take the job? <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, <laughs> when. Don't get me wrong. There's times when it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no getting around that. You know, there was times, you know, when we were twelfth in League One, lowest mm-hmm. budget. I knew that with a bit of extra investment in certain areas, we'd have probably got in the playoffs. Yeah, I think we ended up with six points or eight points mm-hmm. outside the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were. I think we, I think we had four games, five games, where if we'd have won them games. Would have been in the playoffs at, at yeah. quarter five, and I think we lost all four or all five. We didn't even draw any. Yeah, and I knew, you know, going into the January transfer window that season, we need a bit more here. Mm-hmm. Keep going, you know, only one or two, but then then one or two are a bit more expensive. They might also impact um, someone coming through. You know, the arm, the business model. And I can remember, you know, the, the, the chairman saying to me, what do you need? And I said that, and he said, can't do that. I said, well, can't do that. There's no point um, giving me any money. Give it to the nines. And that's what happened. Okay, wow. <laughs> that's what happened. Right, okay. We, we, well, the, we, the, the football club improved the pre-academy structure. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, you know, so, it, you know, you... It's 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 rewarding when you get through the saga. So crew this year it'll be fine. Yeah, 
Yeah. One of the big reasons, because I still played all the kids last year when we were bottom mm-hmm. of the league. So yeah, when you yeah. go to Sunderland and play a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old back three against Jermaine before and the League One top scorer, Rory Stewart, you've got to have some cojones to do that as a manager. Yeah, yeah. You do? Yeah. I was doing that. Why? Because I thought I'd get the benefit of it this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, football, I'm, I'm not going to get the benefit. Alex Morris is. Mm-hmm. But then players who've played 20 games this year, uh, last year, at 17, 18, 19, 20, will, you know, be in good stead and be ready or, or readier, if you like, yeah, yeah. great term, but um, more ready than they were when I had to put them in because there was a gap. You know, the, the not this summer, the summer before, we didn't take any pros. Right. First time in cruise history because wow. there was, a, there was a, a dearth, you know, a gap where the players yeah. weren't good enough. Wow. You know that that production was, you know, was had a fallow year. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Not, that's not good. Um, no. They'd have been a year ahead of the players that are playing at Sunderland away, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd have been a year further on. They'd have been a year better. Mm-hmm. That all impacts, um, and when you can't then go and get, you know, somebody's played two hundred games at League One, yeah. two, then it's a problem. Because yeah. it felt like, that. yeah, because it felt like with that League One team when we had Pickering, Charlie Kirk, Perry, and G, there was a really a lots of really good players there. And I think that you can correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but I feel like COVID allowed us to keep hold of them a little bit longer. But then they all <coughs> left at once, and then yeah. once they all left, immediately there was a lack of quality in the squad. How do you? Or lack of experience, I don't know, you can, you will know better, but how did you feel about that and how did you deal with it once they all left? Because it really felt like that team could have pushed on a bit more, you're right. Uh, I think you're right with the COVID. We'd have, we wouldn't have lost, I think we lost six, you know, we lost Omar Beckles to Leighton Orient for more money, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing, Perry, Ryan, Kirky, Pixie, you know, there, there was others. Um we wouldn't have lost all them in six months. Yeah. If COVID wouldn't have happened, it'd have been over an extended period. So the transition had been, the transition period had been smoother, mm-hmm. as opposed to a big dip at once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wasn't ideal by a long stretch from a manager's yeah, yeah. point. Did we try and get a real Adebisi ready before you know behind Harry Pickering? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. did. And Rio's another one. He'll be fine. Mm-hmm. He'll show up well. He's, you know, he's, I know Tariq, um, the Wacko is playing midfield. Why? Yeah, yeah. Yes, can. Because Rio is keeping his end up. Or Zach Williams mm-hmm. is playing left back. You know, and that's that's because of the games that they've played over over the last 12 months, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you've got a gap, or when you're right at the start of that cycle again, because you've lost them all in six months, yeah, you're going to have a blip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another blip, and that's that's what it, that's what it was. You you know, like I said, when you got the lowest budget by distance. It was only Cheltenham that was anywhere close to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morecambe's, they were miles ahead. Yeah. Never mind, Sheffield Wednesday's, Sunderland's. They've got players. Fe- one player is more than our whole <laughs> combined. They have. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. And it feels like now with teams in the lower leagues and even one of your former teams, Wrexham and Salford, we were talking about before we kind of pressed record, 
there's uh, more teams now in the lower leagues that are just kind of spending their way out of it or have these big backers. How do you compete with that? Because I feel like with Wrexham, it's almost like a Man City type thing, but in the National League, right? Or Salford, it's the same thing, just outspend the competition. How do you deal with that? How do you combat that? I think you've got to teach players. You've got to improve players. Mm-hmm. Irrespective, if, you, if you've got a squad full of players on four grand a week, you've got to make them six grand a week players, if you want right. If you want to use the reference of money, yeah, yeah. Of money. You know, if you've got a, a striker who's only ever scored twelve goals in one season, you've got to make him a twenty goal a season striker. Right. Whatever barometer you use, that's what you got. That's what you got to do. Does it help that um, if they're all on, you know, above average salaries? Well, it gives you more of a chance. Of course, okay. it does. But money's not everything. Mm. It helps. But it's not everything, you know. Leicester wouldn't have won the Premier League if it was money no, was anything. Yeah. Okay, fair. Don't get yeah. me wrong; the top six always finish in the top six. Yeah, yeah. It's a freak year, if you like, um, you know. And the biggest factor there's been lots of studies done. The biggest factor is, uh, to determine league places is player budget. Mm-hmm. We all, we all yeah. know that. So you know, the, for the first four years, we have the third lowest budget in League Two. Always put it in League One, and we always finished above where we should have finished. Yeah, yeah. We should have finished third bottom, third bottom, third bottom, third bottom, third bottom, forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was it? Seventeenth, fifteenth, second. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and then and then twelfth. You know, we were we were, we were twelve places higher than we should have put finished. There's nobody in yeah, League yeah. One. There's no one in League One that had a plus twelve compared to their budget. No one. No, no, no. That was an incredible season. I really enjoyed watching that season on iFollow. Obviously, I, I'm, I live in Milan, so I'm not able to get to the crew games now, but I really, really enjoyed watching that team in League One. I thought we played some great stuff, and it was really good to see us like punching above our weight again. It feels like it had been a while since we'd done that. Um, but you did, so you achieved promotion as player and as manager with, with the Alex. Which one do you think you look back on with more kind of pride, or which one means more to you now? I think um, I think the management one, without a shadow of a doubt, because I did a lot of it on my own. You go, hang on, you didn't do anything. You didn't kick a ball. You know, the 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 the, the, the management of crew was extremely difficult. Um, you know, there was. This is not a criticism of crew. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's not. This is this is the the the, the situation that we were in. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you know most of it. The, the, the majority shareholder that were taking money out of the football club, yeah, money was tight. Yeah. That gets resolved the same month that COVID hits. Yeah. So we've got, I had 18 months, two years of a majority shareholder not putting any money in. In fact, if they paid the wages a day earlier than they should have done, he'd have took all the money out. They'd have to repay the money. That's how bad it got. Then you got two years of COVID. Then, or, or, or well, eight, certainly 18 months, yeah. but give, give or take, you, you're talking a, a, a severe shock and hit to the finances. So throughout my sort of four, certainly coming up five years, there was no money. No, no, <laughs> no money. No. So I didn't have a chief scout. I didn't have a head of recruitment. I was doing everything. Right. And I mean everything, you know, 
Um, gunner games, prepping games, coaching, managing staff, managing players, the whole shebang. I, I can't wait to get um, uh, have a go with better resources. Okay. Yeah, yeah. With, and a better team around me. That's not mm-hmm. being disparaging to Kenny or Alex, or that's just no. the situation we're in. Yeah, yeah. It is, you know that's and that that was the hand that we were given, mm-hmm. and we had to get on with it. Um, so so when you when you put all that plus plus there was a you know crew were at the centre of a global crisis. Yeah, yeah, which didn't exactly make things easy. There were also a drain on finances from mm-hmm. you know legal fees and all that kind of stuff, and um, you know there's 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 a lot going on. So I can't wait to to get into a club that actually goes right. Well, and I go, oh yeah, when you go head of recruitment, oh, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, you know, because yeah. you know, the irony was because we'd got back on his feet, the, the club had got back on the feet financially. Um, I went to the chairman in October and asked for a head of recruitment again. He said yes. Well, he said he said no. He said, you can have someone that helps you in January, which is too late. It needs to be all right. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was late. Yeah. And, um, January is just... We shouldn't have been bothered, but I think we give a guy three grand to help us for, for the month. Okay, right. It doesn't... Anyway. Um, and and then I, I asked him again in February, and he said yes. And the irony is that I'd, I'd put this structure to the board that had been agreed and what have you. Um, gone through the interview process, appointed someone, and the chief scout and the head of recruitment come in on the Monday morning, and I got sacked Monday afternoon. But, well, it's not, I'm yeah. only telling you because yeah. it's... That's, no, 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 but that's that's what happened, right? I yeah, yeah, yeah. don't think I'm saying this out of any sort of bitterness. Yeah. I'm eternally no, no, grateful no. for what crew's do, done for me. Eternally yeah. grateful. Um, well, there's something you touched on there, and I'm, we can talk about it as much or as little as you want to, really, because I know it's a very sensitive topic. But as a crew fan, obviously there was legal issues that came out about historically within the club, things that happened. Now, how do you deal with something like that? I think as a fan, it made me really reassess my um, my relationship with the club, my relationship with like the memories of how I grew up with that team, etc., um, most of the people I think who were involved have now left the club or aren't involved anymore. How do you deal with that as well? Like something that's completely before you were there, out of your control. Do, how do you deal with that? Difficult. Yeah. It is. Um, you know, I think uh, you, you've got to try and... I think I think there was... On one hand, um, it was... Uh, Good that I I hadn't been at the club as a youngster. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was an outsider in that sense. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, it, it's still not easy because you don't know the detail. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or I don't know a lot of the detail. That's for sure. Um, and I haven't met anyone that's been through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd only heard and still only heard one side really. Yeah. Yeah. Having said all that, you're the face of the football club. Yeah, yeah. You're you're the professional voice of that football club, um, and you've got to remain professional. Um, 
it was extremely difficult to ask, answer some questions at times. One sort of knowing what I knew on one hand, on the other hand, not knowing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going, oh, Jesus. And you've got to think on your feet. You've got to think on your feet really quickly, especially when you get um, some of the national newspapers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, asking the same questions, sort of six times on the trot, but in six different ways in the whole that you slip yeah. up. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's what happens. Um, and you've got to, you've got to remain professional at all times. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some things that I wanted to say. There's some yeah. things that I didn't want, some questions that I definitely didn't want coming up, but did come yeah. up. Well, you've got to answer them and you've got to, you've got to be professional. And I think one of the, you know, one of the things that sort of doesn't get mentioned, if you like, is that I don't think throughout any of it um, there was a headline surrounding the manager or no. the team. No, 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 no. It was only there was only once I got into a bit of bother. The, the straight after the uh, the Sheldon report was okay published. Yeah, I actually said the word sorry in an interview. Okay, I got into a bit of bother for that. Um, and I think there was a headline or two. Um, but I don't Do you think? I don't think it was a particularly bad stance at that point. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I've got to be extremely careful, even now, what I say. No, well, listen, and I, I, I don't want to push you like any further, really. I just want to kind of say that I, I personally was disappointed with how the club um, handled it and how people at the club handled it. I think it could have been handled much, much better. Um, do you feel like you were supported enough through it, or? Um, I don't think. Well, again, it's it's, it's not about it's not about whether were you supported through that. No. Did we have a press officer? No. You know, do you have to work it out? I'm, you know, I'm. I'm I'm eternally grateful, like I said, yeah. that I have to stand there straight after a game, usually. Emotions are high. Mm-hmm. You've got to think before you come in front of the camera or front, front of the, the microphone, right, what's the line I'm going to take about the game? Mm-hmm. Win, lose or draw, it's yeah. the same thing. Um, it's obviously easier when you win. Right, what the questions I'm like going to face, bearing in mind that this has come out yesterday, yeah. This is the, the situation we're in. Da, 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 da. Right, how do I answer them? And you've got to have five minutes to yourself. You've got to try and work it all out. And if you get caught out with a question that you haven't thought of beforehand that a media officer might have thought of and might have yeah. helped you with, well, then you've got to make sure that you um, are professional. Yeah. You don't have to answer the questions. Don't get me wrong, if you just said no comment, you look guilty as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're guilty of it. You, you know, yeah. oh, that must have happened because he said no comment. Yeah, you can't, yeah. you, you can't, I don't know, plead the Fifth Amendment or anything like that. <laughs> you know. um, but at the same time, you've got to, you've got to put it in a way that protects the football club. Yeah. That's what you're paid to do. That's what your job is. That's, that's even now. That's what you got to do. Okay, well, I think we're going to take a slight turn and I want to focus a little bit on your international career as well because you did 
made some appearances for Gibraltar. Um, first of all, I want to ask you, how did that come up? And, like, how were you approached? How does it feel to represent a nation, like, a football nation being born, right? It, it was the start of that um, country competing. So how did it start? How did it feel? Oh, the... the uh, what, what happened is they were they were applying to become the, the 54th member of mm-hmm. um, UEFA. And then they played a... They got accepted. They played a friendly against Slovakia because the head coach at the time had coached in Slovakia um, and then my dad wrote a letter basically <laughs> to, to the Gibraltar FA and said do you know that my son's eligible because I was born in Gibraltar wow. they sent a, a letter or, a letter or email um, and basically said alright we didn't know thanks for letting us know and I think they might have been I think they were due to play two more games, they might have played them games, I can't remember. And then suddenly it was like, all oh, right, yeah, this this guy is you know, we'll have him. And he ended up playing I think I was thirty four and I was let's be honest, I was I wasn't the quickest in my prime. Right. I was certainly um not quick enough for international football at thirty four. But I ended up playing seven games that was um that, that for me, it was a, it was one of my, if not the proudest achievement, yeah. um, and 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 people will mock like Sonny Gibraltar, and all. it wasn't it wasn't about um, necessarily Gibraltar as such, although yeah, I'm extremely yeah. proud to play for Gibraltar. It was it was a, um, I believe, a reward, yeah, for a career that was based on. Hard work, never giving up. Nice. Being committed to the profession, and you end up playing seven games at the highest level against the world champions in Germany. Well, this is this is like you played against Germany, right? Which is incredible. Like how when you're, uh, how do you prepare for that game, right? Because you are a new nation. You are, <coughs> you, you know, you have expectations, right? And you're coming up against a team like that. How do you prepare? Do you? set yourselves objectives for the game? Like, how do you prepare for that? Well, the manager at the time, he um, he brought the, each half down into 15 minutes about in the clean sheet in the first 15 minutes, clean sheet mm-hmm. second 15 minutes, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and we had a game plan. Um, the truth is, you know, bearing in mind that, you know, we were playing in Germany, I think it was November, October, November. They just won the World Cup that mm-hmm. summer in Brazil. They just beat Brazil 7-1 in the semi-final of the World Cup. And we've got a policeman, a hospital porter, a lawyer, a Christian right. doctor, a copper. Yeah, that's, what, yeah. that's, what, that's what the lads were. Sat in a hotel in Nuremberg the night before. And the truth is, around the dinner table, we're going, can we keep it below 10? Right. That was the conversation. Yeah, you know, for, for, all the, for all the game plan, we know we're coming up against you, Thomas Mullers of this world. and Mesut Ozil. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all them players. Um. And we're going, oh my God, this is going to be unbelievable. Um, you know, and, and I, have to, I have to say, we, we gave a real good account of ourselves mm-hmm. on the night. We only lost 4 0, which sounds a drubbing, but it was, it wasn't. That's, that, that's respectable. It's definitely respectable. It, it was. It was, I have to say. Um, Manuel Neuer pulled off one of the best saves I've ever seen. Right. Um, so we could have even scored. Um, you know, so yeah, it's 
when you're playing in front of whatever it was, forty thousand, wasn't yeah, it? Wasn't yeah. at Wembley? It was a, a provincial stadium, if you like, a right. club stadium in Nuremberg. But you're playing in front of forty thousand. You're playing with all these, literally superstars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was a, it was a terrific experience for us all. After it was a real good experience for us all, and and, you know, it's one that, you know, I look back on fondly. Nice, nice. Well, David, thanks for this. Before I let you go, we have a few questions that we ask every guest before we go. So just nice quick fire questions. Firstly, who is the best footballer or the best player that you played with? With? Um, Nick's certainly up there. I've said mm-hmm. Nick Powell. Um, Mark Robbins. He, he was just an outstanding, outstanding bloke. Again, manager of Coventry. You know, yes. Added. Yeah, yeah. Another one didn't mention him before. Um, best I've played with. I don't know. Actually, probably one of them two. Okay. About nice. It. I don't know. Um, and, it, and who's the best player you've played against? Um, probably. I don't know. Dan Franco Zola, Thomas Muller. Lewandowski. Lewandowski was oh. good. He was good. Was that for the, that, that was for Gibraltar, I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. Against Poland, yeah. He was he was you know, you don't you don't see Lewandowski as quick. Yeah, yeah. And he's lightning, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I can. A lot quicker than me, put it that way. <laughs> um, um who which coach had the biggest impact on your career? Um I think I think there's been a few. I think I think the informative years, Ronnie Moore had a, a, a distinct impact on on me. Um, in in certainly in one way, Dario obviously had a massive impact in a different way. Um, the detail was was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and there's others. You know, I've, I've actually got a slide on the presentation of what I've taken from each one. Okay. Their style is, you know, just so I go because I've actually thought about right, who, what yeah, was he yeah. like? You know, there's there's some managers that were literally dictators. Yeah. Okay. There were some. There were some that were um, pacifiers. Mm-hmm. Actually, bordered on lying. Okay. Um, right. You know, there, there were there were some that were um, perfectionists, which was good in some ways, but hampered him in others. This okay. is all my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were some that were just bullshitters. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you get them in every job. You get them in every sphere, right? You know, I can't think of one that shouldn't have even been involved in the football club. But he's <laughs> a, a big name, so that's um, you know. So, so you, you you try and take bits from everyone. Nice. That's, that's the truth for that. Okay. Next one. The best stadium that you've played at. Best stadium? Yeah. Um, obviously, Wembley is, yeah. you know, is unbelievable. Um, Anfield, Anfield was good. Walking out and all the flags at the Colts, good. Um, I would say it's, it's quite an impressive place. Um, I'm trying to think, where else? Don't know, probably. Is. So I don't know. I, I'm not very like. I don't own any shirts. I've, I've got. Oh, I've, really? Believe I'm. I'm not one of them. 
I haven't okay. got anything in my house that you would think that resembles me being a footballer or a football okay. manager. Um, I don't particularly look back. Right. Um, anything that I've got, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you where my manager of the year award is. It's in my house. Okay. Somewhere. Right. Right. I think it's actually in the bottom of my wardrobe, but I don't actually know. Um. I'll take it if you want. I can just have it on the shelf here. It'll make yeah, me look a bit more professional. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have it quite happily. I think I'll give it to my dad first. My dad, <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, I don't actually know what it is, but I got a lovely shirt off Perry NG when he signed for nice. Cardiff. So there's a little message on. I'll certainly keep that. Um, I probably should have that framed, actually. But um, I, I don't. Um, I haven't got any shirts framed. Not one. Oh, okay. I, that, so when you're saying, well, you know, stadium and all, I'm going... Oh, you know. well, there's only two more. There's two more questions. I'm just going to ask you the best match you've played in and the, your your favourite goal you've scored. Best match? Yeah. A game you look back and oh, that was a great, like, I enjoyed that or it was great to watch or it was a great experience. I th- I th- the, the, one of the biggest ones, um, which you won't like the sound of, was uh, when I was at Morecambe. Okay. And um, we were three one down. Um, we had ten men. Yeah. Uh, I was culp- certainly culpable for Lard getting sent off. I-, I gave him a poor pass, really, that put him in the right you know, in a situation. He then made a poor error, but I shouldn't have really done what I did, or I could have done something different. So I was certainly culpable. Um, the opposition had a penalty to go four and up, mm-hmm. miss. We scored 87, 90, and 96 to win it, yeah. four or three with 10 men. Um, and in, in you go you go back to, I think we finished fourth that year. Yeah, yeah. You know, Morecambe, lowest budget in League Two at the time. To finish fourth in 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 League Two was was a phenomenal yeah. uh, achievement. Phenomenal, uh, you know. And and you go back to team spirit and all the rest of it. That was one that we should never have got anywhere close to winning that game. Right. Because right. the, <laughs> the team that we were playing was crew. Yeah. They were unbelievable. They had um, some yeah, unbelievable players. You know, your Calvin's Zola, your Westies, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Sean Miller. You know, they had some real good players. It's a very crude thing to happen. It does feel like a typical Alex thing to happen, that, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, so that, that your your favourite goal you've scored? Uh, favourite goal? Favourite goal? Um, don't know. I've, I think I've scored some, some good goals, some mm-hmm. important goals. Um, some lots of good goals, you know, lots of lots of headers. I can remember scoring a left foot half volley from near the edge of the box for Mansfield, an overhead kick for the crew. Nice. Um, but were there particularly like you know, outstanding goals? I wouldn't say they were outstanding. They were just they just did your job. Again, okay. I've, I've, never, I've never looked at it as oh that was. That was the best I could, you know. The, right. That was all about me because it's never really been about me. It's I like that. about right. That I can't do that bit if that person doesn't do that bit. So mm-hmm. I think 
I, I, I get, I think I get more joy out of helping others as a okay. That That's, again, one of the things that I've looked back on um, over these last three or four months. Like, what, what, where do I get, where, where do I get my kicks from? And when you see people improving and getting better and, and winning games of football, yeah, yeah. and you actually go, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what, because we've got to win enough games of football to see the improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go hand in hand. So when when that I can remember, you know, going to Ipswich in the COVID season. If it were a boxing match, it'd have been stopped after an hour. Yeah, yeah. Running on, lost from a corner, one nil. Yeah. You know, their staff clapped us off. Mm -hmm. It was it was it was you know, and Paul Lambert was brilliant after after the game. Yeah, yeah. Said, but it was brilliant. Um, and and. You, know, I, I, you, you take great pride in how your team plays, yeah, yeah. as opposed to a particular goal or no. from a personal point of view. I've sort of gone that sort of door shut now. Yeah, not... yeah, yeah. No, okay, that's fair. Well, David, thank you for. I really enjoyed that chat. It was fascinating. I really hope to see you back in management soon. Hopefully, right? Um, I really just want to say thank. I did enjoy a lot watching the Alex under you, and that particularly the season in League One it was a fantastic season. I really did enjoy it. So thank you, David. Um, I've also got a very quick favour to ask you after we um, wrap up. But um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. And we will speak again soon, hopefully. Thank you very much, mate. So Rory, uh, we were blessed to hear about David Artell and his career, as well as all the managerial bits as well. I love the little bit about Wick and Wanderers as well. I love yeah. that kind of reference. So I did yeah, listen yeah, yeah. to that as well. That was fascinating. But what was the main things that you took out of that interview? Because it sounded like honesty was like the biggest thing that I mm -hmm. came across from that interview itself. Yeah, I, I very much felt like whatever question I answered, he was going to answer. And it was exactly what he thought. Um, he definitely did not pull any punches about Crew Alex. And I'm kind of mm -hmm. glad that he didn't. Um, we know the difficulties that were going on yeah. around that club at the time and the people. And I think it was really good of him to be willing to talk about it and be willing to say, look, I wasn't helped as much as I should have done. Um, I do feel like I was screwed over a little bit and I just really appreciate that he was able to talk about it. Cause I felt like going into that interview, I knew I had to address it. I didn't want, cause I support crew Alex. I didn't want to do the interview and then just gloss over it. And people be like, Oh, he's not talking about it. Cause he's a crew Alex fan. But, I realize how serious it is. I'm yeah. glad that David Artel was one to talk about it. But beyond that, just hearing about how he really thinks about the game and he really, really mm. values the the team spirit and getting the right characters and getting that unit together. Yeah. And I think one thing that I remember from that crew team is that they just mm. were such a good team that he got promoted with, with a really good youth players. And I think he was just a really, really nice bloke. I really enjoyed that interview. And fascinating to hear someone who played for Gibraltar and played against yeah. Lewandowski. Played against Lewandowski. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> on that point that you made about Crew, I love the fact that he mentioned that you know the main press were trying to catch him. It mm -hmm. felt like they were trying to catch him out with whatever he said. So the fact that he didn't have any PR managers yeah. also being that level, I mean, it was fascinating. Absolutely mm -hmm. fascinating. Yeah. But yes, we, we are at the end of the show, Rory. We are I at the think... end of the show. I think that's it. So thank you for sticking with us, guys. Um, 
We will be back next week to talk Nations League nonsense and whatever happens. Um, in the meantime, please do follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. Like us on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube. Subscribe TikTok to us. Well. I'm running out of things. Uh, <laughs> TikTok. We are we are kind of on TikTok, um, LinkedIn, everywhere, wherever you look. We are there, listeners. <laughs> so for now, we're going to leave you alone and we're going to leave you with our quote to end the show. And it can only be from one man, the great man himself, David Artell, when he said, I could work in a chicken factory. There's only 92 of these jobs in the country and I'm lucky enough to have one. So yes, it's incessant and demanding, but I could have my hand up a chicken's bum. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next week. Take care, guys. Take care, guys.